Blog Talk Radio. Here at ACO Radio, American Communications Online, or any affiliated stations or websites are not responsible for what guests, hosts, or call-ins may say. All programming is intended for informational and entertainment purposes only. This is T.J. Morris, and you're listening to E.T. Radio. Welcome aboard, all you ground troops spinning around smartly on the planet. Normally on Saturdays, we have Ronnie Dawson in Texas, but I haven't contacted him, but y'all may see it on social media, Facebook, LinkedIn, or whatever. And so I invited my all-time high, Janet, because I'm always promoting me and Janet, whatever we're doing. But tonight I'm going to promote our Patreon, but I've invited my – I'm going to try a new co-host tonight. Y'all may know her already. Our, her name is Suzanne Wyman Flynn, but she goes by Susan Wyman in her public uh, – persona out there because she's a wonderful known psychic reader and does parties out in California and she's married to a well-known artist that does beautiful paintings for weddings and does them like on site I don't know how he does it but he's going to be here tonight and her son but uh, also it's uh, I told Janet but Janet doesn't like my ace folk life thing but that's just sort of my old thing where I do archives and it reminds me of my husband but Janet said okay but it's Janet and Suzanne are getting to know each other other and they both agree we could do like an open mic so everybody get along no haters please <laughs> if uh, ronnie wants to show up in social media y'all will give you like your 15 minutes or something but it's going to be okay so you know anybody in social media but we're all on i've got uh i'm gonna let each person introduce herself because janet and i've been doing this eight years and she's more cons- uh organized than I am, but I'm going to let Suzanne be the co-host and sort of lead us tonight, but Suzanne, you're first, then Janet, and then your husband and your son. They're both here. So, Suzanne, introduce yourself, and then, you know, give it to Janet, and then she'll turn it back to you to do the, uh, your family, and then whoever, but that's all that's here right now. (laughs) Good, 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 good. So, um, it's Suzanne Wyman. And I think of myself as the power psychic, and it is about powerful readings in order to integrate your energy, your life's purpose, and your desires, and to create what you want in the world today. So I enjoy the conversation about life story. I enjoy the deep readings. But really, I just really enjoy getting to know people that are different and getting to hear different stories and really embracing that as part of humanity's story. So huh, I welcome all the stories and all the connections and all of the pieces always end up telling us a story which is valuable. So Janet, go ahead and introduce yourself. Okay, I'm Janet Carolesson. I'm in Maui, Hawaii. I've been working with Teresa J. Morris, uh, boy, since the 90s, but actively since 2012 and uh, nonstop since then. And, uh, yeah, I am I'm psychic, but I don't call myself a psychic. There's a difference there. But I, because I've always been kind of shy around my psychic, whatever's happening. And I'm an experiencer, contactee, author, and I co-host uh, with TJ on her. Well, we, we simulcast. I have Aquarian Radio. She has TJ Moore's ET Radio. And then I'm on two shows on Revolution Radio, Sacred Matrix, and Stargate to the Cosmos. And I work with my husband, Dr. Sasha, Alex Lesson who's one of the foremost Anunnaki experts on the planet Earth. And um, we like to talk about paranormal, extraterrestrials, and all kinds of spirituality, consciousness, tantra, all kinds of things. So 
I'm here. Next person. Thank you. Who's next? Hi. Hey, Randall. Uh, yeah, my name is Randall Inkless. I'm Suzanne's son. I got a bunch of different interesting stories and things I do, but uh, yeah, that's just a wide array of things I'm I'm involved in, sort of different arts and other parts of things. Very good. Uh, Rich, are you there? Yes, yes, I am. Okay. okay. Introduce yourself. Oh, my name's Rich Flynn. I'm an artist. I specialize in live event painting. You can find me at richflynn.com. And I've been an artist for 35 years. Yeah, about 35 years. So, yeah. So I'm out here painting here in Dana Point, California, right now as we speak. All right. Now, guess what, Suzanne? I'm going to turn the show over to you. I'm running the board, folks. I'm here listening. I'm real excited not to have to talk tonight. I'm about talked out from last night. You have to go listen to the show. (laughs) Not sure what to call it yet, but we're working on that with Janet and Suzanne. They got a plan, but you and Janet, Janet knows how these shows run, so I don't have to do anything tonight except sit here and listen. And uh, take it away, and if somebody comes on, I will let you ladies know. All right, I'm muting me, and Y'all have fun, and I'm listening to all y'all's stories, right? But I told people on my LinkedIn if they show up, I'd give them 15 minutes of fame. So uh, y'all know how to pass the talking stick. But, Suzanne, it, I'm going to give you a chance to co-host. Uh, you do your own radio show. on. Uh, go ahead and tell them where you do another radio show anyway. You already okay. have your own radio show. I where do you do it? <laughs> okay, great. Thank you. Thank you, Teresa. Really good. So I have a podcast through Goldilocks Productions. And I do a show called The Deep Reading, uh, Connecting You to Your Soul. And I do that on Thursdays at 12 noon Pacific Standard Time. And it's really a great show because I like to listen to people's stories and have them talk about how they had a life-changing experience, a small life-changing experience that led to something greater and took them on another path. I also like doing um, a conversation with people that call in and get short readings I worked as a party psychic in public for so long, uh, and then COVID came along, and, and there's there's no parties going on, and so I'm still really good at doing the very intense, very accurate cold reading, and tonight is about getting different people to come on and share their story and uh, make it interesting. So, Randall, would you like to go first? Sure, why not? Uh, you know, I thought about a couple of different stories, and I used to Uber drive for a few years. <laughs> and and I'll tell you something: it's you never understand as an as a driver until you start meeting all these different people that you have to understand their problems and their life situations and kind of play therapist and get them <laughs> to the place they're going to, and then put up with all of their little weird things along the way and smile and do this. And sometimes it's like for four bucks, or sometimes it's for fifty bucks. Right. And you pray for a tip in between. And you always meet some characters or you meet some different people. And I had to think about some stories that were kind of appropriate. And I remember one time I was driving a Saturday night and I met a guy that left a wedding and he was leaving the reception. And it was the story of he'd given up on this woman, you know, and went off to college and chased his dream. And when he came back, she'd married a best friend of his and had a family and they still included him and invited him to the wedding. 
Wow. And uh, wow. and he was really happy that he was still in good graces with these people and allowed to be part of the wedding, but he had drank himself into some level of shame and guilt because oh, he really still had feelings for this woman, you know? Oh, no. And uh, he comes back after, you know, he went and got his little deal in life, and, oh, bummer, she moved on and had kids and had a life and had given up on him completely. So huh. I pick him up, and he's like six sheets to the wind, and he's like crazy. You know, one party's happy and the other, and we're cruising along. And he shares this story with me and tells me. And then finally out of nowhere, he looks at me and he says, hey, do you have any good music? Can we, can we <laughs> listen to some good music and sing or do something to get me off of this? And this is how backwards of a person he is, is that we start off in Capistrano at the banquet center and on the main drag. And then I take off with him and we end up somewhere else. And we're halfway to some destination in Cota de Casa when the people he's supposed to stay with call and say he's not welcome there. Uh-oh. And he's to go to this other location instead. Uh-oh. So I have to agree and reset the trip and pull over and take him to Newport Beach now. So no problem. So in the middle of all this confusion and otherwise, I took what was, you know, this emotionally like boring and traumatic situation with this kind of crying in the front seat of my car, you know, and (laughs) smelled like booze. It was just terrible. And and I put on some notorious B.I.G. rap music and figured out a song we could both sing along to and turned it up real loud. And by the time we got to his destination, me and him were singing rap songs and just having a good old time. Wow. You know? Wow. That is cool. And... Um, I guess he really must have uh, put his, uh, the people that hosted the wedding, he really must have put them in a tough spot that they had to, you know, ask him to leave and not to stay. I mean, he really, I mean, wow. So that, that doesn't sound too pleasant. Okay, the one story I like is when the girls got in the car and asked you to take them to the grocery store. That is such a good story. Oh, okay. So I was, I was up in downtown Los Angeles. And uh, I went to, I dropped this other woman off I picked up in Santa Monica at like one of those private to-do colleges with these big fancy things around the corner from USC. And before you get out of there, sometimes you get another trip. It makes sense. It's a big community. And that's when those two Japanese girls got in the car. And, Uh uh, and I said, Hey, where are we going? And they said, Oh, we're going to LARFs. And I went, Mm. LARFs. Okay. It's a Saturday night. LARFs. LARFs sounds fair. So I set the thing and I'm going and a matter of minutes later I hear them and they go excuse me but you're passing larfs and I'm like what I, I don't see larfs you know larfs larfs and they get very frustrated and they point and what they're saying is because they're Japanese and the accent they're trying to say Ralph's not larfs <laughs> Ralph's Ralph's grocery store is Kroger in the rest of the country but it's a chain and so they wanted to go to Ralph's but they said uh, how they Larfs. Larfs. <laughs> with the okay. L. Okay, and did you get them to the grocery store so they could get some food? Because that's what's important to hear, is to hear that. Yeah, no, we got story. them over there. We made a U-turn and took them over to Larfs and wished <laughs> them well, and they went to get some fruit and do what they were doing on their Saturday night. But, yeah, it was hysterical. <laughs> okay, somebody else has showed up. That's a great story. Uh, they called in, but it may be uh, – one of Janet's friends. Is this oh, Deborah okay. or Deborah? Karen? Yes, ma'am. It's Deborah. I guessed it. Hey. All right, Deborah. Deborah. Yeah, Janet, 
uh, Deborah is here. So, Deborah, introduce yourself, and uh, we're going down the line. And uh, Suzanne's going to co-host, and Janet's helping, you know, all that too. So, thank you for showing up, Deborah. Introduce yourself because her husband and her son's on here tonight with her. So, go ahead. Whose husband and son is on? With <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm going to mute. Suzanne, it's your, you co-host with Janet. Y'all are doing okay. cool. I'm talked out, but uh, it's Suzanne's. <laughs> Is that payback for last night? No, yeah. no, no. No, no. Um, let's see. Um, my son Randall is here with me, Randall Inkless, and my husband Rich Flynn. So, um, Hi, guys. Hello. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Nice to have you join us for the show, isn't it? Deborah, yes. Yeah, introduce yourself, Deborah. Okay, so my name is Deborah DeFranco. I live in upstate New York. Wow. And um, I used to be a host on Revolution Radio. Uh And um, I had a show called Pitch Witch Hour, which dealt with the paranormal and UFOs and uh, spirit communication using electronic devices and quantum physics and spirituality and all that good stuff. So um, and now I'm just producing and co-hosting with Janet and Dr. Sasha Lesson um, through Aquarian Radio on all their different shows that we've got set up. We just launched a new one called Elephants in the Room. Um, so anyways, you know, that's the nickel tour of Deborah DeFranco. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. I didn't get a chance to talk with you on our last show, and so it's really nice to have you um, talk. Would you like to, do you have a short, interesting story that you'd like to share with us as a group? A short, interesting story? My whole life is a a bunch of short, interesting stories. Okay. Short, interesting stories. Gosh, okay, I've got one. So are you guys familiar with Enron? Yeah. The company? Yeah. Okay. So I worked in executive offices for all of those men when I was 24. And my boss used to be the man that put together all those deals that all those people went to jail for. Oh, dear. Cool. <laughs> that's, is that the end of the story? Yeah, that's the uh-huh. end of the story. Yeah, oh. just so everybody knows, those crimes they got committed, they, they got convicted of, they've been doing it the entire time the company was around. It wasn't anything new. Whoa! I, I had to get off a of mute for that because Enron was out there in Sugarland, right? Were you in Texas then, at the Sugarland yeah, location? Was, no, they remember when they consolidated all the headquarters and they opened that big glass building in downtown Houston. I wasn't the there, but okay. So they opened it up in Houston. They closed, so yeah. why did I think Sugarland? Maybe that some of the guys lived in Sugarland. Uh, did they have well, one in Sugarland? Before, right before Enron became Enron, it was two different companies, and some of them were in Sugarland. It was called oh, okay. um, Houston Natural Gas. It was two companies. It was a pipeline company out of Nebraska and Houston Natural Gas. And oh, okay. So they, merged, they merged and became Enron. 
cool. You're just a fountain of information. You've been around. Yeah, this is going to be fun hearing your life story. We're going to do that on Friday night. With, well, no, it's going to be Janet's story. Then we're going to do a hot seat thingy that I didn't know. I got shocked into it yesterday. But, folks, it's fun. We're going to learn how to help each other. She'll never let us live that down. She'll never Well, I didn't know what was coming. Do you understand what, what a great show it was yesterday? You have no idea how good it was. No, I'm still numb. I'm still freaking out. I did go listen to it, and I heard Janet's show, which is a copy, and then Suzanne and I carried on 40 minutes afterwards about it. I went, oh, shit, am I still recording? So there's an aw shit show. But this is supposed to be You Ain't Gonna Believe This Shit Story. But I'm not supposed to cuss because I run a spiritual community. So this is my Ace Folklife Metaphysical Institute night, Historical Archives. So I'm just trying to bear my soul and say, look, we're all creators. We all got Patreon accounts. And we're just going to – the gir- two girls said open mic was fine. And I'm trying to apologize to each of them because I don't know what kind of havoc I'm creating in radio land out there. So I'm just – I'm getting ready for the haters. I am. I'm looking at it. So, but welcome, Deborah. Yeah, but Deborah, you're welcome to you're welcome to help us if you're spiritual on Sundays too, because I committed to telling the world I was going to run American Communications Online Broadcasting, and I pay for seven nights a week. But I, I think I'm going to try Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday again. But Janet can tell you for at least six months I did seven nights a week when we began, oh. you know, in radio. Oh, but you were crazy, yeah. crazy. I was. Crazy. I, I burnt myself out. You got to rest sometime. That's what I said. I said, you're going to burn yourself out. And you, oh, no, I could do it. And then it's like, then you did not. It's like you, you got to pace, pace yourself. <laughs> then right. I quit Janet. for a few days. <laughs> you quit, Janet. right, for a while there. Sure. Yes, dear. Yeah, right. but we've had LinkedIn all this time. I'm a, I'm a mute again because, folks, you can hear me laughing. But, I mean, you can't hear me laughing, but when these people are talking, I, I naturally laugh anyway. So I'm with you guys, but there's enough on here. There's two men and three women, so and they're all radio people. So, all right, I'm a mute. So, Janet, tell us, tell, Go us ahead. Short, tell us a short, fun story about yourself. Well, uh, give me the topic. Give me what topic. It's, it's the American. I can go anywhere. It, yeah, I know. So it's the um, it, it's supposed to be an expression of American folklore, but it's also just the American story. I mean, you know, you truly are, you know, you truly are the individual who typifies uh, <laughs> who typifies the uh, progressive alternative lifestyle um, therapeutic uh, benefits of your existence. That's so really your story. Well, thank you. Well, well you, you brought up, you brought up, thank you, you brought up Enron. So I was there at Federated Investors, and I forget what year it was, let me see. Oh, it's, it's when the, the computers finally screwed up and, and the market crashed, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm in Federated Investors in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. It's the third largest um, investment firm in I guess it's just in the United States. Could be the world. Don't remember. And I'm there, just my little job. And I'm right in the middle. It's kind of like Wall Street. And I'm, I'm right in the middle where everybody's going, buy, sell, buy, sell, buy, sell. And it was so hectic. They're like leaning over me. And I'm supposed to balance the millions of dollars. So I'm processing. 
I must have processed, you know, five hundred million billion trillion dollars. Me personally, and then everybody around me, because it was crashing. The market was crashing. Now I only right. worked there one year, and you know, and I have a sixty-six year life, so I was there at the right time and the right place to have this um, stock market crash. So anyway, um, but we survived. It was very interesting because that was like one of those the world is ending uh, days. So here I am at my age, 66 years old, and now we have the COVID crisis. And um, and then I was here in Maui one day uh, in February, I think it was two years ago, or it was January, it was January. And all all of our phones went off. And I happened to have all three of my phones uh, on the charger. And it said, inbound missiles, this is not a drill. (laughs) Expect it to hit in 15 minutes, right? Oh, it was was like surreal. I was like, so I I go to the door. My husband's in the bathroom. I says, honey, can you come out here? I think we're going to die in 15 minutes. <laughs> uh-huh. And I'm no not problem. sure, but it says it says the incoming missiles, and they're going to hit in 15 minutes. And I, I would like to say goodbye to you, not through the bathroom door. Anyway, he started to fight with me. He said, that's not true. And he started to get angry and fight with me, and I don't know why. So I called my sister because I wanted to talk to somebody. Oh, I called TJ. You didn't answer. So I called my sister, and I go, I, I want to say goodbye. You've been a good sister. We start, like, crying. And she said, well, let's pray because she's a good Mormon. I said, well, you know, I could be dead in, you know, and I'm counting it down, you know, six minutes. Let's pray. <laughs> so we were praying. And then, you know, I'm just holding tight because this countdown's on my phones. And I'm going, oh, shit, is this going to hurt? Um, uh, it's gonna, probably going to hit Honolulu because they go after the big city so they can get millions of people. But then what? Will I get the act? I mean, all the thoughts of all the movies. Um, and so it, nothing happened. And I'm going, well, maybe the, the clock was off and nothing happened. But then... Um, <laughs> Uh-huh. But then somebody's out in my yard and said, all clear, nothing's happening. Okay, okay. Woo, we get to live. Oh. So, but this isn't it. So then the, uh, I'll, I'll just finish up. So I, I'm sitting there sleeping at night, and I, I have contact with either my higher self or eternal being or extraterrestrials, but, um, and, and, and my download said, um, no, this was a, a real thing, and they shot it down. So in the morning, I got online, and there was a video of them shooting down a missile coming over Maui. No, it wasn't heading for Oahu. It was heading for Janet, here lesson, in Maui. And um, so then I, I, I told Dr. Sala, who's one of the big people in the UFO field, I guess, no, this was a real missile, but um, and it shows it being shot down from above. So it must be the secret space program or a satellite, or harp launched way up, but they were, the first theory was it was a, a, a submarine shot it down. Anyway, so that was it. We, we finally, they decided that it was, like, from space. And it wasn't a nuclear because of the arc. They said it was a nuclear from space, but a nuclear, but a, a space um, something, missile, shot down anyone. So, 
the moral of the story is be here now. Any <laughs> second can be your last, and I'll pass the talking stick. That's a that's a chipper little thought. That's just a real perky little thought there, oh, Janet. I thought it was humorous. It was humorous. <laughs> it is. It is. I have um, absolutely no control when, and then you know people you know on Oahu they jumped out of their cars. They uh, you know they they were trying to get home to their kids to say goodbye. Nobody can do anything in fifteen minutes. There's absolutely no preparation in the United States. And that was a couple of years ago. And the same thing happened with COVID. There's no preparation for anything. You know, all these billions of dollars we spend on defense, we have no, you know, nothing really planned for anybody. And when I was a kid, we had, you know, you go into the bomb shelters. Like, they really would have helped, right? Ducking under your your uh, desk, that really would have done a lot. No, that, that wouldn't have done anything either. So, anyway. I thought it was funny. It's ironic. Next person. Any feedback on that before we go to the next thing? Hey, Rich, are you there? <laughs> yes, Rich? I am. How are you? Really yeah. good. So, <laughs> you that have was a great taken... story. It was a great story. Well, thank you. It? Yeah. So, so tell us a great story about, um, gosh, you've done so many weddings. You've had... So many great experiences at weddings. So it's really up to you to choose a short short story about a wedding. Oh, magical wedding. Let's see. Yeah, you're a romantic, so I don't know if they're always magical, but they certainly look at they the are. outside. Yeah, they are. Yeah. <laughs> they are. Okay. They truly are. I've seen stuff that people. Here's one. It's at the Montage in Laguna Beach, California. And so they're having their whole wedding party, ceremony, reception, and everything out on the lawn, which is right overlooking the ocean, right on the cliffs there. And so the when you get there, the fog is dense. I mean, just really dense. You can see more than like about about 10 feet or so. And so I'm thinking, oh, I'm supposed to paint it. So I'm sitting there going, how's this going to work out? You know, we're all just fogged in. And uh, the, the crowd arrives. They all sit down. And, okay, how's this going to work out? And right when the music started up, like when the, the formal ceremony was about to begin, the fog dissipated and cleared up like it was some sort of a magical uh, movie set. And it, dis- and it just was totally clear right when they started walking down the aisle. So that was pretty amazing. That's a great story. Yep, there's a lot of magic in that. And then uh, did the fog come back after the ceremony? Yeah, I think it lingered around, but it was, it was come the evening. It, it didn't matter because they had lights and everything. But, yeah. Another one yeah. they had where the, the, they're having their whole ceremony, their whole reception out at this golf course, and uh, someone goes, hey, it's going to rain. Goes, no, it's not going <laughs> to rain. Look up. It's nice and clear. And so the 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 wedding went till 10 o'clock. The music's playing, and the uh, band guy goes, okay, here's our last number. They played the last number, and he goes, okay, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for coming. And right when he said that, it just opened up, and it started raining, and everybody went inside <laughs> to this little clubhouse area. And it was really sweet. Everybody <laughs> all huddled together. and So, yeah, stuff like that happens, and it's just it, – it really is amazing to sit there and watch it all play out because you're just really a fly on the wall just capturing everything. So, yeah. Wedding. Unbelievable. Wedding. 
weddings the best. Hey Randall, yeah. did you take some did you take some time and think of another story for us? Oh yeah, I've always I've always got a couple couple of interesting okay. stories, especially from when I worked security uh up in Los Angeles. One night in particular I got a call and got asked to go do some extra work for the LeBron James welcome party, you know, that the Lakers hmm. held for him. Oh nice. So they took over that whole area by uh by the Dream Hotel and Tao Restaurant and Avenue. And it's a whole quadrant right there in Hollywood. But what's hilarious is, is it's very upscale and very nice. And if you go two blocks east, it's like ghetto and it's trash. Right. But two blocks back, it's you're in the lap of luxury and there's Rolls Royces and Bentleys. And it's a very A-list event. Um, so the bulk of the night was typical boring work, like stand here at this position and keep people moving through. But the fun part was at the end of the night was helping with the limo procession and getting the people valeted and out of there. And you know the big deal in Hollywood is everybody always gets mixed up and either climbs in the wrong Uber or the wrong limousine. So a lot of those A-list guys are real uptight, and there's a bunch of old (laughs) basketball players and, you know, rap artists and, you know, and all these guys, and there's all this confusion. And then the best part in the midst of all of it is is that there's all these horrible Middle Eastern TMZ guys with these cheap camcorders in their hands just trying to get five seconds of footage of anything they can sell, right? Mm. And uh, and the guys I work for start freaking out and go, what are we going to do? Because those TMZ guys aren't going to go away. So me and a couple other guys schemed, and we saw this area where we had spare metal barricades. And we went over, and as a team, we started picking them up while we had our tuxedos on, and we're running them over and laying them out in front of all these Middle Eastern, you know, TMZ paparazzi types. And they're screaming and spitting and angry and telling us we can't do this. And, you know, mm-hmm. and it's just hysterical to watch them have fits and throw stuff everywhere. Yeah. And as if That's that great. wasn't bad enough, we figured out a way to take some banners and stretch them up so that they couldn't get any photos or peek in. You know, so they're really over there just going nuts, trying to climb the fences and what have you. And uh, during that whole time, I got to sit there and hang out with a couple of cool guys like Derek Fisher from the Lakers. Uh, I was there when Draymond Green and Kevin Durant walked through. They're both, you know, big professional basketball players. I got to actually help them to their limousines and talk to them for a moment. So, I mean, sometimes you just never know what happens at those events on the night. You meet some interesting (laughs) characters, you know, and then you get to harass the the TMZ guys, and then finally it came over the radio that they needed them to disperse somehow. So me and another guy plotted a plan to walk up to them, and we pretended to be on our radios, and we lied and told them where some very A-list R&B singers were sneaking out a back door with a bunch of men to go to another hotel room or something, and they took the bait and ran down there. Well, Randall, that, that's an A-plus for cleverness, and... Hollywood is a lot of limousines, and my favorite limousine is the Rolls-Royce stretch-out limousine. And uh, up in Hollywood, and their beauties, but never seen so many limousines in all my life. I suppose it's the same in Las Vegas, you know, if you like watching cars. But that's a good story, Randall, a really good story. I want to go, I'm going to go to Deborah. Deborah, your story was two seconds long. Do you have a a story to share with us that's, you know, maybe two or three minutes, huh? (laughs) <laughs> Instead of 10 seconds <laughs> Let's see What do I have Everything I have is so notorious I'm afraid to say <laughs> Really? Come on, go, life, for it. go for it Okay, 
My life has been spent on the fringes of notoriety ever cool. since I've been born, and I have no idea why. I I am connected to two of the most unsolved, the, the no, notorious unsolved murders in this country. Uh-huh. Just some, I'm just some random woman. Like how that happened, I to this day can't figure out. Um, did you ever have any? Did you ever have? Excuse me for interrupting. Did you ever have anybody look at your astrology? I've had my chart done a few times, but nothing serious, right? Huh. Yeah, that sort of that sort of thing would show up in your, um, you know, historically, uh, Mary Queen of Scots. When you look at her chart, or you look at um, Queen Elizabeth's chart, or you look at Anne Boleyn's chart, you really you really get a real feeling for a lot of power. So it's it's interesting. Uh, you've said that, so let's let's hear the story. I'm going to sit back and listen to your story. I'm going to let it wash over me. What story? I can't talk about this murders. <laughs> no? <laughs> They're very, very famous. They're very, anything I say. If, if I was here under a, 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 a online handle, that would be one thing, but I've got my real oh. name out there. I have a very notorious family on my father's side. Let me put it like that. Okay. Well, um, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Are you the real DeFrancos of New York? This part part I will tell you. Okay. My Uh uncle was Stefano Stefano Magadino, and he was the Don of the Mafia in upstate New York and Canada up until the time he died in the mid-'70s. Wow. Heavy dude. Heavy dude. Yeah, he was a founding member of the Mafia Commission. Okay. Well, we want to keep you protected and safe, so I guess you don't. I guess you don't have a short story for us. How about How about you, Janet? Have you got Have you got a short a short story for us? Give me a topic, and I'll see where my mind goes. Just kind of like name that. Now, what is it? Uh, I'll take a, you know this category. So, give me a category, and I'll see what emerges. Ah, I tell you what. Why don't you share with us a great story about the um, Gestalt movement that you were part of? Well, actually, Tosh is a part of that. Um, let me give you a... Um, I met Sasha. How I met Sasha? Um, I, I how, wanted how to you, go... How do you spell uh, yeah. his last name? L-E-S-S-I-N, Lesson. Okay, And great. I'm the only Janet Lesson in the world. And I just found another Sasha Lesson... I did my Ancestry.com, and there's only about 500 lessons in the world, L-E-S-S-I-N, spelled like that. So mm-hmm. that's pretty, pretty interesting. So, okay, I'll, I'll give you my – my husband was born in New York in the Bronx. And when he was one year old, one years old, his dad moved him to Torrance, California. <laughs> and And so – uh, and he told his family and, and the whole community that he's um, Italian. Because Lesson's kind of a strange name, right? And uh, his wife learned how to cook all the Italian foods. And um, he got a job as a, um, in a, in a big factory, and he was making these 
gears or something. And when he got there, he was really an attorney. When he got there, he didn't have any idea what he was doing. But the the people that were under him, they had such a, a comedic personality that they supported his lie and they let him get away with being the boss, but they were helping him out. So this is what you need to do to get through World War II when you're Jewish. <laughs> so the reason he, he thought the Sasha's father thought that the um, Hitler would win and the, and they would come over and kill all the Jews. So how he had that awareness in the late 30s, or, or, well, by 1940, I don't know, because I wasn't alive then. But the, the funny part was when when he was nine years old, his, and the war was over, and his dad said, son, I have to tell you something. What, dad? We're not Italian. We're Jewish. <laughs> so this is Torrance, 19, let's see, he was born 49. So he goes to school, and he says, oh, Guess what, everybody? I'm Jewish. Next thing you know, this little this little Christian girl was chasing them around and and yelling, "You killed Jesus!" See, because I guess it was a very unknown, segregated community. So, anyway, I, I always thought that was amusing. And I was talking to somebody earlier about, uh, you know, being attracted from. So the moment I met Sasha, I fell in love. The, the moment, it's like a soul connection, and, and I wanted to run away because it was so powerful. So maybe you could help with that. <laughs> Suzanne, why was I, the tr- attraction repulsion, when well, you're getting on a psychic level? You're so, you're so good at tracking. And so do, like, are you finished with the question and I'm going to answer you, right? Yes. Go ahead. Uh, okay. So, First of all, the connection between the two of you was the fact that you recognized each other's souls. You recognized each other from past lives. The next step was is that the family story, when we look at the family story between the two of you, there's stories, there's parts to your stories that match energetically. And then the next point is is that you both have the same ambition. And then the third point, which I think is really, really important, is, is that it was your desire, your truest desire, was to support him in his work because you felt transformed by his work. Mm-hmm. Wow, so you're then, good. She's well, really good. Let me, oh, let me give you part two of this because this ties in with um, – with you, Deborah, probably. I don't know. We all tie in with each other. It's interesting to, to you know, we probably were all souls and said we're going to come down here to Earth and now we're going to meet, you know, in, in July of 2020. We're going to have this next phase. So I find out I'm sitting there in Hollywood at a meeting with his cousin, who um, is a very famous fashion designer. So there you go, Deborah. And she won a couple Oscars for different movies. And I was just like, you know, dumbstruck. I go, oh, this person is really. And so she's telling me all of her involvement in Hollywood. And then I'm finding out all the involvement with my husband's family about. Um, <laughs> oh, wait. You're, you're, you're popping up my computer. I just got distracted. Oh, their, con- <laughs> their connection with Ellen M tobacco and apparently their 
they were really connected with the tobacco industry, and they had sugar. So the wealth of the lessons who came over somewhere, and they were all Jewish on all sides, and, and Mom's was the um, – her family did the International Ladies Garment Workers Union, which is where they had the big fire. And um, my grandfather did the Film Projectors Union, and his other grandfather had all these theaters, and this is through the Northeast. So we picked it, we go, wow, his family knew, you know, his grandfather knew my grandfather. They're, they were Masons on both sides of both of our families. So we're going to – I think these Masons are kind of connecting the kids up, right? So my parents, I always thought they were in an arranged marriage. And here's me, and I'm in an arranged – and maybe, maybe they've got some love fight thing they give you. I don't know if you're familiar with – if somebody's got background noise, maybe you could mute. Um, if you're familiar with the love fight phenomenon, where you meet somebody you fall instantly in love. But it was orchestrated or intended from, what, God? From the Illuminati? I don't know. So anyway, that's, that's not a short story, but I'm just connecting the dots because I agree with you. Yes, I had this soul connection, but there's also, you know, these ongoing connections within their families who supposedly didn't know each other, but when we pieced it together in Hollywood. Oh, and then I'm really against smoking and uh, and and uh, I'm, and I'm, I'm addicted to sugar, which is very bad for your health. And I'm going. Here's my family that made their wealth from these two industries that are very deleterious to the health of, and well-being of human beings. So it's like, you know, dirty money. Okay, back to somebody else. Thank you for listening. <laughs> oh, good, good, good story. Good story. Really good story. Okay. Thank you. So, so, um, Rich, I think it's back yes. to you. The story, huh? Okay. Yeah, yes. Why don't you? Why don't you? I mean, there's so many. There's so many um, high-profile weddings that you've done, and uh, you know, you've been such a great, flexible human being about meeting the need for um, people. People need to have their wedding painted. People have photographs done of their weddings, and you know, it's great. But a wedding portrait, a portrait of their wedding day which is done on that day, and it's all finished. By the time the event is over, that wedding is finished, that wedding painting is finished, and the coordinator takes and hangs it up in the honeymoon suite, and they see your painting of their day of getting married. Wow. Isn't that a great idea? That's a story in itself. That really goes on. Can you believe that? So explain that. How did you get into that? That's amazing to me. I'm interested in your story. Also, how did you meet Suzanne? Let's do that one, too. I'm going to go back on mute. Yeah. That's a good one. The wedding. The weddings. Okay, the weddings, that began, well, my style has always been do things real quick. And I I base my stuff sort of like on journalism, like this is your day, this is your moment. And so even when I was in my practice stages, I would do a still life. And I'd take it in. I was working at a pizza parlor, and I'd bring it in and hang it up every night. I'd get one done every night, a painting. And uh, people could tell. they go, oh, you're happy or this or that. But it's just by looking at what I painted that day. So the, the style was always sort of like journalistic. And just get it done, get your emotions out, get your feelings out, and then go on to the next one. And so me and Suzanne, we met at the Cafe Tutu Tango in Orange, California back in 19... 19- 
You do? Who's that? Who's that? I love that place. Who's that? I know. It's, it was iconic. Everybody knew about it. <laughs> is that is that Deborah or Janet? Who is that? That is me. I lived I lived in Southern California for thirty years. Okay. Really? And you so Yeah. We I opened I opened Cafe Two Two Tango at the Block at Orange, and then I opened the other location at the Universal City Walk. We used to go to the Two Two Tango at the Block of Orange like every weekend for like a <laughs> whole year. Oh my no god, kidding. we know you then. Oh my god, yeah, we know so you. We know that. you then. We, there's no way we don't know you because um, I we were there. I started in '98. Rich started in '99, and. Uh, we were there when they closed in February of uh, 2019. Yeah, yeah, I love yeah. that place. There, food. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, funny. The food okay. was always good. We always had entertainment. Yeah. That's. I met a bunch of psychics going through there. That's why I know Suzanne's the best. <laughs> huh. And uh, right. I did musicians and um, all sorts of entertainment. And they had artists there. So the artists were painting as part of the part of the theme and part of the atmosphere. And uh, one night, I was just painting the restaurant. Every night I had to come up with an idea. So I'd paint the restaurant, people eating and drinking. And then uh, a friend and a bartender goes, hey, could you do that for my wedding? I go, yeah, I could do that. And so I ended <laughs> up painting his wedding. <laughs> and then uh, a group of people that we knew from the tango, they're getting married. So like a little pot of people. So I must have done about five of those. And uh, it just was amazing. And I, I was all excited. I got a computer. And I was like, oh, yeah, let me look online, see if anybody's doing this. And the only people that were doing it was me and this other guy up in uh, San Francisco. So we were the only two people doing it back in, like, I guess it was like 2000, 2001, then 2002. So, yeah, that's how I fell into it. I, was just, I didn't plan it. But it's just, again, it fit my style. I'm not a perfectionist where I work on something for like six years or six months or something like that. And so that's how I fell into the wedding uh, industry. And it's a real show and it's a real, yeah, I just love it. Everybody's in a good mood. And I'm sitting, you go to these locations that you never knew existed, you know, from Santa Barbara, the Rhode Island to Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and in New York, oh, Here's a great one. So me and Suzanne, we got together. We were together with 2008, 2009, and we did a wedding on New Year's Eve in New York City at the Pierre Hotel, and we did a wedding there. And they were during the reception, we stepped outside, and all the fireworks were going off, and the whole city stopped. And we're sitting out here outside the hotel with everybody else, but oh my God! Look how great this is. You know, we're in New York City on New Year, on New Year's Eve, and the weather was perfect. And we're going. This is just amazing. So, yeah, I love doing it. Always different. It's always unique, and it's always an amazing experience. And the thing of it is, that's always so interesting is how, um, at the end of the day, tell them what the highest compliment is from the couple. So the, the so I work with the impressionist style. Those guys are my favorite, and I, I like the I like a painting that's sort of between realism and abstract, which is impressionism because basically it's an abstract when you look at it because it's just colors arranged in a fashion that creates a form. But so when but what I, the couples when they go, you know, that's what our date felt like. I mean, it looks like Uncle Uncle Bob, and it looks like us, but 
you just really capture the feeling of the day. And I think that is just the magic that I can bring to the occasion. I don't think about it until somebody says it, but yeah, they go, ah, that's where our day felt like. So that's sort of, that's my highest compliment. It is great. It is really great. Hey, Randall, you have another short story for us? Yeah, I got another short story. I did a, I did another Uber trip one night over at the, is that place, the Grove or something in Anaheim. Uh-huh. And I had the usual confusion of going around and trying to pick people up. And the other thing is, is in Southern California, you know, everybody, like, pulls open the door and, you know, says the wrong name. So it was a nightmare. I pull up and five different people, you know, say the wrong name. <laughs> I no, no, you know. And there's, like, all these, like, super young, like, 18 to 24-year-old types and, I don't know what the show was, but it was some pop crap festival. I don't know. It was horrible. Long mm-hmm. story short, these people get in, and I can tell between there's like two couples in the back seat, and then there's that inanimate girl who makes no sense, and she's in the front seat with me, and she's driving me nuts because she's playing with my radio, and I hate that when you're an Uber driver. People just <laughs> climb in and help themselves to your stereo, and they adjust the air conditioner settings the way they like them to blow on them. and you know, and, and I always love to ask them, you know, and, my, and they wonder, well, you look a little frustrated. And I'm like, well, I didn't see you there when I made my car payment last week, man. Can you quit touching my car like you own it? Thank you. So, and um, so I'm telling you that you like, I'm sure you have that great comeback and, you know, and you look at them and you just see them as people that need to be in control. And you tell them, well, you know, control is a negative expression of power because, when somebody takes control, they're just looking for empowerment. And so, um, but, you know, a lot of people, when people that are, people that are uh, you know, unconscious, they wouldn't understand the remark. But really, it's just somebody who really wants to establish control because they're afraid of getting into some stranger's car, which is an understandable fear, right? Oh, no, that makes complete sense. I'm, I'm too nervous. I don't even care for Ubers unless I absolutely have to use them. Right. Yeah. No, I understand. I'm I'm one and the same. Right. So in the in the in the midst of all the confusion with this person, and then I'm starting to catch on to why this girl's so nervous, and she's she stops when I ask her to, but she gives me that look like you know there's a problem in the back seat. Mm-hmm. So I can tell by the way everybody's filed themselves in that the two couples are sitting sort of separate, and it's like the two men are trying to keep the two girls from you know this argument they're in. Mm-hmm. And then finally the one guy leans forward and he goes, I, I know this will mean nothing to you, but please promise me you won't say anything or talk to any paparazzi about what's going on here. And I just kind of look at him and I'm like, kid, I don't know what you smoked back at the concert, but I really don't care, you know? <laughs> I, I don't I don't know what your deal is here. And he gets kind of flustered with me and he goes, you see the girl over there in the corner? And I'm like, yeah, it's my car. I get what's going on. What's wrong? And he's like, that's Peter Frampton's daughter. Oh, and I'm wow. Like, and I'm like, okay. And I, I guess the other like about, young... Isn't Peter Frampton's daughter like about... How old is she now? She's got to be like 40-something, right? No, no, no. This is like the baby when he ran off and had an affair on the other woman. Okay. And the whole big affair got exposed. Well, this right. is the daughter of the affair. So oh, she's okay, like cool. baby, like 19, 20. Okay. So super young girl. And I guess the girl who she's arguing with, because they all go to Chapman University, the very to-do place to go for the rich children. And I guess the young woman she's in argument with is a descendant of Joel Schumacher's, who just recently died, right? 
the man who did the Batman movies. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, he he produced the Batman movies. He produced a lot of other very cool action type movies and some dramas. Academy Award winning, Oscar. I mean, dude was established director, super genius. Okay. And he just died, I think, fighting. three weeks ago. The two girls are fighting, and apparently, in, unbeknownst to me, like I do one of those things where they're like, "Hey, can you do us a favor and just stop so that we can get one of them out and then you know move on and give us another location?" And I I budged because they're rich and they flipped me an extra handful of cash for doing them a little favor. So the whole, the the whole fun part of this though too is, is the next day I'm sitting around and I'm flipping and I never, but for some reason I stop on that stupid TMZ show with Harvey Levin. Right. Uh And, uh, and unbeknownst to me, I'm not there and I'm not in the report, but there's like a photo of them as they got out at the one house that I dropped them off at, like somebody from TMZ followed and took a photo and Uh the whole argument and the whole stupid little thing was like some little to do on TMZ because it's Frampton's youngest child. who's the aspiring artist of some kind in the film world. Cool. But I was the driver for that little TMZ argument. Yeah. (laughs) You know how comfortable people are about arguing inside of a car. Oh, they love it in Southern California. (laughs) I got got a better one than that, though. Can I tell you one? Like, can I tell you this one? Sure, let's go. So my first week Uber driving, and it's my first days, and I'm out, and I end up in Venice. Uh And uh, I end up in Venice, right? And this one's freaking hilarious. So this Middle Eastern couple jumps in, and the guy gets in, and he's like, you know, extra, like, on the go, like, hey, Topanga Canyon, buddy, hit it. Like, let's go. We got to go. And I'm like, okay. And the woman who's with him is nice. Yeah, we're all the way in Venice, and he's got to go, like, way back there in the canyons, right? Right. Not a good drive. I hate that drive. Right. And then this is where you get deep, like, back in there where the rock stars live, you know, where your car literally goes sideways, and it's really scary. And I'm panicking because I got this brand new Volkswagen Jetta, three weeks out of the dealership, brand new, sparkling, still smells new. And we're there and we're almost there. Uh And in the midst of like, they've been arguing the entire time in like Farsi or some Middle Eastern dialect. Okay. And I mean, it's, it's not pleasant. Uh Uh-huh. And, uh. And I don't know what's going on, but then somewhere in the midst of the final screaming match, she doesn't even try to, like, hold back or say it in a foreign language. She starts yelling back at him, and she yeah, opens no, her no, jacket no, and starts. And no, huh, no, uh, what? no, uh, no curse words, okay? No, 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 I won't. Okay, okay. So she just opens up, and she starts throwing all this money back at him and screaming and yelling. And uh, much to my surprise, like I guess he. I guess she was uh, a little tired of him uh, asking her to do extra services with lots of other men and not giving her her cut. Oh, she had about enough of it that evening. Oh, she was no longer going to be his willing, his willing prostitute. She needed her money. Well, that sounds like a bit weird, but okay, Randall, it's a good story. And uh, you know, I guess they made a whole series out of that, uh, of what happens in those cars out of taxi cab in Las Vegas, because I guess it's just a little bit people. 
you know, kind of loosen up and pretend like they can't see the driver. Okay, great story, Randall. Thank you very much. Really fun. Janet, we're back to Janet. Yeah, can I ask Randall his last name, please, because I'm changing the names. Randall, okay. what's your last name? And then oh, intelligent. Janet. What is it? I. Uh, Randall, spell it. Yeah, spell it. I-N-K-E-L-A-S. Okay, hold on. Uh, Randall, I'll put Suzanne's son. I-N-K-L-E-L-E-L-E-L-E-L-E-L-E-L-E-L-E-L-E-L-E-L-E-L-E-L-E-L-E-L-E-L-E-L-E-L-E-L-E-L-E-L-E-L-E-L-E-L-
Bye. Thank you. Kevin, the, hey, Kevin, Kevin. Here, Kevin Spellover. Yeah, I'm here in Orange County, California, just about uh, probably 20, 20 miles north of where Susan lives. I'm in Santa Ana, California. <gasps> Kevin, okay, would you spell Kevin. your name for me? Yeah, it's K-E-V-I-N. And the last name? <laughs> okay. Kevin James? Not quite. No, I wish. No, uh, it's uh, S is in Sam, P is in Paul, E-L-L-E-R, B is in boy, E-R-G. Uh, okay, Kevin what? <laughs> Just say it. Spell- Kevin what? Spellerberg. I said Spellerberg. It's S-P-E-L-L-E-R-B-E-R-G. Spellerberg. Wow. Okay, yeah. and, and you're and what part you live in California too, right? Santa yeah, Anna. I'm about twenty miles I'm twenty miles north of Suzanne Wyman. I'm in Santa Ana, which is right near Disneyland, okay? Okay, thank you. Okay, I put it on the show tonight so you'll get credit for it. I guess somebody hung up, you dismissed somebody. Suzanne's a pro at this. So you dismissed somebody. Was it Rich or Ronald? Randall. Randall. Who did you dismiss? Well, let's both of them. Let me let me Both chime in. Let me chime in and say something real quick. Uh, I think I think I heard you on the radio uh, the other night, didn't I? Uh, uh, you're the one from Florida, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's me. How are you? Wait a second. Wait a second. Is, what's your last? Say your name again for me. Oh God, uh, uh, Teresa Morris. M O R R I S. I really, really, really enjoyed your conversation with Susan Wyman, and you got all those callers coming in from all over the country, especially <laughs> that one that called you. She was from uh, she was from San Jose. Her name was Filson. She was Somalian. Right. Yeah. Do you remember? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, thank you for joining us. Were you on the? Uh, were you on the? You couldn't get on the show on Thursday. Are you going to come back on a Thursday and do a show? Suzanne told me about the show, but I was I was I was busy with uh, some other things at the time. I I had to listen to it after it aired. Oh, good. Okay, oh, well, good. thank you. Uh, are you the police officer or the de- deputy? Yeah, that's me. Yeah, I'm tired now, but that's what I did for thirty years. But I had a kind I kind of I kind of had a good life there in that business because I was in the courts, uh, Teresa, most of my most of my career. That's a pretty good place to be if you're in law, law enforcement, in the courthouse. Wow, well, thank you for your service. Yeah, this uh, I'd love to hear your story. And uh, I've got a new friend here, Deborah, but we got something. We're trying to find out how we all know each other, maybe in a past life or a future oh. life. I don't know, other dimensions. But oh. thank you, Kevin, and uh, I'd love to talk to you another show. We're going to do a spiritual show tomorrow, but uh, you're welcome to show up uh same time but uh let me mute here but it's nice meeting you and thank you for uh saying you li- liked our show uh, i guess but did you yeah, want to talk yeah. about the, what you yeah, heard yeah, yeah. or suzanne yeah, okay I got, well y'all, y'all t- i got him i got him okay hey kevin thanks for joining us oh you're welcome so i just wanted to participate tonight and listen a little bit too and i just talked because i know there's a, you've got several callers tonight so let me just uh, no. you know, say hello and uh, let you know that I'm happy to, 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 to share my opinion with you and also just to listen to what you have to say. I don't have to necessarily uh, uh, take over your, your, the show tonight. You hear me? Okay. We've got, we've got Janet here, and we've got another woman who lives um, in Niagara, New York, that used to go into Cafe Tutu Tango on weekends because she used to live in Orange. 
So um, we've got Deborah DeFranco, and we've got Janet Lesson in there. Ladies, say hello to Kevin Spellerberg, please. Hi, Are Kevin. Oh, good. Hey, ladies. That's pretty Janet. impressive. I, I like that. And uh, it's good to, good to be here with you. And I'm just going to listen, and you guys uh, go ahead and continue with the show. If you, if you, if you want me to say anything, I'm right here for you. Oh, we, we, you're up first, Kevin. Share one interesting story, a short story, no longer than five minutes. Share one interesting story, because you certainly have had an interesting life. Well, yeah, that's a good point, and thank you for that. It's tough to do that on the fly, Susan. It's good. You're good. You are. You have the the voice and the speaking style that was made for radio. You have a gorgeous voice. And uh, you really come across with clarity, and you enunciate so beautifully. And anything you share with us is going to be good. So just what you feel good about, share a short story with us. We'd love it. Yeah. A uh, warm up, Kevin. How did you meet? How did you meet her? How did you meet oh, Suzanne? I always like to hear how people meet. And I'll mute okay, again. How did you meet that's her? A, that's a, thank you for asking that question because it's very simple, and it's it's it's. it's uh, Basically, um, it goes back over 20 years ago because uh, she's done in her business and I was in my business. My wife, her name is Clara, Clara Spellerberg. She worked uh, at the restaurant, too, where in Orange, California, Tango, it was called Cafe Tutu Tango. And, uh, and this is before we even had kids. My wife, Clara, was working there. And then they, she met Susan, and it was a kind of, a, uh, it was, it was a kind of an art-themed restaurant. It was art-themed. And uh, the other lady from Niagara can tell you what we mean by that. But they had, they had uh, oil paintings in there. They had... Uh, they had dancers that would show up and, and dance, you know, um, unannounced. It would be sort of a surprise to all the patrons there. And then Susan did what she did, um, and it was just a fun place to go. And uh, right there in Orange, California, which is right there in the uh, in the area there where all the tourism is with Anaheim and Disneyland and everything like that. So And they would bust some of these uh, visitors uh, into the mall there where this restaurant was in Orange uh, from those resort areas. And, uh, and the business was great. And uh, so I was doing my job working in the courts like I did. I was just a regular guy trying to be a good caregiver to my wife and one son. And uh, my wife would work at the restaurant with Susan, and they really hit it off because two women uh, with a lot in common, and I was just sort of an outsider. But I, she warmed up to me, and you kind of uh, get to know Susan, you know, that, uh, you know, before you, before you, you know her as a lover, and that's what happened to me. <laughs> oh, thank you, Kevin. That's a great, that's a great intro because, we really do come from two very different worlds, and I thought about that after you said that, but I, I always had focused on the fact that there was a great similarity between our work and that we listened to human tragedy. So um, it's kind of funny, but you're right. We do come from – yes. Yeah, I appreciate that. Let me say this to Teresa, because you guys are in such a different place, and I'm, I'm glad I'm in your world now. That I'm, no, I'm no longer in the government world. You know, I'm more in the, in the world of freedom and, and all the things that I want to – and I, I want to enjoy it. I didn't have that when I was in the government. So, but I do want to say this though that uh, you know it was a great opportunity, and I, I'm glad that I had that career. But I'm, I'm a lot happier now that I'm no longer uh, you know part of the system because uh, you know it's a lot of rules and whatnot, and some of it's a little bit absurd. But uh, I do want to say this though. Um, one thing I will tell you is that you know, be surprised. don't don't believe what you watch on television because all of us that did that job, 90% of us are very down to earth. We're all family oriented. And we're not like the kind of crap you see out there. Uh, that's the most important thing I can tell you tonight about us, about people in law enforcement, is that we, we want to make a difference. We care about people. That's why we go into that, that profession. So please, I want to make that clear. And then whatever happens after that with some of these, these stories you read, that's just, those are the bad apples. And they're in every industry. I promise you that. Okay? Yes. Yes. That's true. 
And I think that's really true for your story, Kevin, because what is it you said? You said that you served for 30 years and you never once had a complaint, nothing. Right, and another thing about me, too, is that I wasn't pretentious. I never carried a gun off duty. I was supposed to, but I didn't want to. I had a family. I had a son, and it wasn't something that was important to me. I was just going to roll the dice and, you know, it was my time to go, it was my time to go. But I, I never treated anybody too terribly bad where I need to look over my shoulder in my own community uh, when I was at home uh, and shopping and doing all the things that police officers do when they're not at work. And so I wasn't worried, but uh, I was just never – I never believed all the things that, that I learned in the academy that, uh, you know, that you know, that uh, everybody's out to get you if you're in my business. So I just uh, left it up to God to take care of me, and maybe that's not too wise, but it worked for me because I'm still here. It's been 30 years, and now I'm done with that career. And to this day, I still don't carry a gun, and I couldn't carry less to because that was just a job. What I'm really about is family and, and, and health and, and, and making the world a better place. That's, that's a wonderful thing. It is. Tell us, tell us a good story. Come on, Kevin, please. One good story. A good story? Well, there's a lot of stories. I just could tell you that, uh, you know, um, one thing I do, I, did, I, did, I do miss about work um, is the ability to really bridge the gap between uh, the public and, and what I did and, and the opportunity to help people because, you know, people, they want help, but they don't know where to go. And then when you show up there, and um, I was a Spanish speaker, so I spoke Spanish, which is great. And so I, I, could, I could speak to the, the, the Hispanic community, I could speak to the English-speaking community, and it was just, uh, it felt really good to go, go to work back then and to meet somebody who had a problem with a neighbor or with your own child or somebody and give them resources and to give them, you know, information to help them because they were sort of uh, afraid of the government and they also didn't trust the government. But I was able to be the, the, the spokesman for, for my community and, and to let them know that it's at least when you meet me, I'm going to try to help you as best I can. Not to say that I would, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put my foot down when it came to crime because that was my job. But I didn't get any pleasure out of that. That was just part of the job. I really enjoyed helping people more than everything else. And I made sure at the end of the day when I retired that I did that. I did help a lot of people, and and, and it was a real privilege, is what I'm saying. And when I say help people, I would help parents with their incorrigible kids by giving them resources and information and sitting the kids down trying to talk to them and just trying to be a good, uh, you know, good role model, if you will, to other kids and let them know that, you know, hard work and perseverance pays off. And it paid off for me. And, you know, don't drink, don't smoke, don't do drugs. That sounds pretty cliche, but let me tell you something. That'll go a long way in life. That'll, that'll, that'll make you uh, very successful. And it's so sad, but so true. So I, yeah. that's another message I would, I would, I would promote. And it's, it's, it's so true. So, so those are the things I can say about interesting stories. I mean, yeah, when I was working, I saw a lot of terrible things and it was so sad, but, but I told myself, you know what, somebody has to do it. It might as well be me. You know, God put me here for a reason. So I wasn't really very sick when I started out. But at the end, you know, when I dealt with some of the bad stuff, you know, I, I was okay with it. I didn't, uh, didn't, didn't, I didn't get PTSD from that post-traumatic stress disorder because I, uh, I realized it was my job. It was my calling. And it was God had put me in that position. And not, 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 not to actually, how do you say, uh, 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 how do you say suffer for, for that, but to actually relish, you know, I would say flourish from that. And that's what I did. I took advantage of it, and I, and I, and I embraced it, and, and, and it worked for me, you know? Yeah, that's true. It is true. So everything that we've talked about as far as your work, I think that you're, um, you're the perfect person for the work that you did. And, you know, now it's, you know, you served for 30 years, and now here you are and you're pursuing um a life that has a little bit more freedom and flexibility to it. So, we're I'm going to go on and the ladies are going to go on with their stories, but Teresa is this is her show and she's the one who put this together and she runs the board and then today I'm just trying I'm trying out for the job of being a host 
and so it's not about my story, and we're not doing any psychic readings. It's just supposed to be a conversation about American folklore, and that's why I wanted to bring you in because well, that's you know, to you, and I and I, and I appreciate that this is Teresa's show, and I do want you to know that I appreciate what you do as well as as professionals, and so on. I admire oh, you. That's why I decided I decided to call in because I I support you and I support what you're doing. The podcast and Teresa and Susan, okay. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's really nice. Um, hey, is it is it your turn again, Tabra? Are you here with me? <laughs> I'm here with you. Okay. I think okay. you missed Janet, didn't you? Did I, oh, I missed Janet. Janet, oh, my goodness, I'm so sorry. So glad somebody else is keeping track of this better than me. Janet, are you there? Janet? <laughs> Janet. Are you there? Huh. She might have left. She said it was a possibility. She couldn't stay on the whole time. Okay. Oh, she just said. dropped. Uh, oh, she may back. come back, but she, but but she just dropped. Okay. Well, Tommy wants to uh, say something and get in the queue. And while Janet's okay, not here, let Tommy talk. And if Janet comes okay, back, cool. I'll turn Tommy off. So Tommy, okay. introduce yourself. And, to, and tell Suzanne who you are and every all the listening audience, and he'll be on tomorrow with us on spiritual. All right, I'm going to mute, but Tommy's on. Okay. Let okay. me mute. Hey, Tommy. Okay, how I'm muting. Back to you. How are you, Tommy? All right, good. I'm good. Uh, I'm in. A, I'm you. on the Big Island of Hawaii. Thank you for joining like us. And it looks like we're going to be. It's a pleasure, but it looks like Hawaii is going to be going back down to a lockdown, uh, not allowing people to come uh, into Hawaii. Oh dear. Uh, uh, because we had a couple of outbreaks and they're trying to keep it down or they're stopping it from growing. So that's the newest thing happening here in Hawaii. But we have a lot of UFO stuff going on. We've got so many different things happening right now. Uh, I mean, they're, they're not protesting like they are around the United States in general. I mean, there's no major destruction going on or nothing like that, mm-hmm. which is a good thing. But uh, it is good personally, thing. uh, I'm a little bit different-sided than most people on that whole idea of what's happening. Uh, I look at the spiritual side of it. I said, if you're a spiritual person, you wouldn't be hurting or damaging anybody's property or people. And that's the first okay. step. And second of all, uh, no matter what your belief or religion is, it should be a part of your life to the point where you don't go beyond the limits of what you're supposed to be doing or how you're supposed to act which is, in my viewpoint, pretty sad what these people are doing. And now, like, the rebel rousers, the ones that are controlling the riots. I mean, a couple of them out, out, came out spoken and said that they want Texas or they're going to keep looting until they get Texas. Uh, and they're the, they're the hardcore ones because they all said they're ex-Marines. They all got guns. They all know how to use them. They're all super uh, aware of war strategies and stuff like that. And they're bragging about it. So the people behind some of the riots aren't good. And I still feel you destroy property, you deserve to go to jail. There's no, because you're black, red, white, yellow, you don't go to jail because uh, it's it's okay. I mean, that whole thing that's happening around the world is horrible. And one other thing I'll throw out real fast, which I've been involved trying to promote for the past three weeks, four weeks already, there is a cure for the virus, and it's simple, and they won't release it. Uh, and the problem is they keep going on how bad it is. They say some scientists are saying it's not a virus. It's, it's a bacteria. 
And no matter what it is, you can kill it real easy. And you're not even going to say how easy it is because of the, the whole scenario of they can't prove all these scientists are stupid and they didn't know the cure for it was so simple. Uh, but, yeah, I, I'll be talking about that tomorrow because it's just like I look at it this way. If it saves one person when I release this information, which I have been doing, that's all I care about. And all these thousands of people that are going to die because they don't want to tell the truth about the virus. But, uh, hold on. What's happening? Um, Tommy, do you, would you like to share a story with us about something that you've experienced that's unique, a short story? Tommy? Are you there? Huh. Okay, well, um, Tommy, thank you for joining us. And um like to hear your show tomorrow night. Okay. Are you there? Hi. Hey, uh, Tommy, fell, Tommy fell off and Janet fell off. But I heard Tommy say what's happening. I don't know, oh. maybe he just came by to give a report. But I don't, uh, Janet checked out and so did Tommy. But Deborah's... Oh, here comes Tommy again, but he's been doing shows as long as Janet. Him and Janet started together. Okay, Tommy, uh, did you want to share a, a story for the archive on Ace Folk Life tonight, uh, a short story? Well, what can what you hear me? What you want me to talk about? Yeah, it's Ace Folk Life tonight. It's uh, Ace Metaphysical. Ace Folk Life, it's Ace Metaphysical Institute Archives. Uh, for the American Communication Online, but I'm, you know, the Patreon. You're a member of Patreon on my Patreon account. Right. We're trying to build a community. So this is like uh, our group. Uh, I'm getting uh, Suzanne and her people to share in our community on Patreon.com, and uh, so Ace Folk Life is the theme. But we're doing American culture. You know, folk life stories. Remember, like we did with Ronnie Dawson on Saturdays, but. It's called uh, Ace Folk Life, You Ain't Gonna Believe It, Culture Talk, TJ, Suzanne, Janet, Deborah, Rich, Randall, Kevin, and now Tommy. That's the whole name of the show. I put everybody's first name up there. <laughs> so tell a short story uh, of whatever. You want to do a Bigfoot or you want to do a, you know, whatever, you just something cool or anything about yourself, right. folk life. Let's, Hello? What, Is what, somebody here? here? I I can hear you, Teresa. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I thought I, there's somebody. I heard something. Hello. Man, I'm spooking out. Okay, I'm gonna mute and go check. But back to you, Suzanne. Okay, thank you, Teresa. Um, yeah, Tommy, do you have a short story that would be enjoyable for everybody listening today? Okay. Uh, I guess it'll be a Bigfoot story. Uh, your choice, completely your choice, Tommy. All right. Unless you want to hear a long story, but I can make it short. Short. Uh, I was going through major problems in my life. I was working a field. I was living with a millionaire family, uh, working on 45 acres, and I was kind of having hot problems, and I didn't know what was causing it. So I guess sort of set me up to go to a doctor, which I did. But it was like a psychic doctor and a real doctor. So I could either have psychic work done or medical work done. I chose the, the psychic work for some reason. Okay. 
And during that time frame, he said, lay down, close your eyes, relax, and breathe. So I didn't know what was going to happen. All I know, I was having this pain in my chest for, for about three months, and I thought I was going to have a heart attack and die. So I was really worried. So he said, close your eyes. I did. And then when I did, I saw my father standing there. My father was a spirit. And uh, he said, do what you feel is right. So I walked over to him. And I realized he was deceased at that time, even though I didn't know my father died. And I actually uh, crossed him over. I brought him to an angel. And then when I came out of it, he said to me, wow, that's interesting. And I, I didn't even know what I did because he said, well, you, you did something really important. So I went back home. I just finished my first book. It was How to See God. And I called my aunt up to tell her about my book. And she goes to me, you know, your father died. I said, when? He goes, he died last week. So I actually was in the doctor's office when he died. Wow. And I saw him there and I crossed him over. But it was just really mind-boggling because I wouldn't have known if I didn't call my aunt because I was just telling about I released my new book. And she said, oh, no, he died. And I said, well, nobody called me because I don't have your number. I said, did you call my brother? Did you call anybody else that could have gotten in touch with me? But there was no way I would have known. But after that, the problem that I had with my heart stopped. Then I found out he had five operations on his heart hmm. when he died. So you were just, uh, you were you were connected to him and experiencing that pain. And it was kind of bizarre because I wasn't close to my father. My father wasn't like any. It was it was a really hard thing in my life because he abused me most of my life. But he only stayed with us until he, until I was twelve. So it was kind of a really kind of strange situation every which way. But, I mean, in the end, I uh, crossed them over. Not that I would have voluntarily did that, but I was right in the middle of the situation to do it. So I did. Uh, so I, I started learning how to cross people over, which was something that I wasn't planning on doing in my life. Because my, uh, my wife at the time, her father died, and I crossed him over. And it was the most incredible story, too, because when I was crossing him over, there was a lady there, which was his wife, and she already reincarnated, and she didn't want to come back to meet with him. And, but she did, and it was just, I found out he, he died of auto-asphyxiation. Mm. He just got married. He went in a room. He thought he was dying because he was not breathing, and he went in the room where his wife died, and he just thought he was dying, and he did die. But, I mean, I crossed him over, and then it finds out he did a number on the rest of his family because everybody was supposed to get money, and he didn't give anybody money. He gave it to his, his, his wife. But, I mean, I, I'm just involved with these things and got pulled into them, not intentionally. I didn't say, well, I'm going to go do this. It's just I find myself in the middle of doing it. It's kind of a really strange situation, but when you have certain abilities and you you're not told how to use them or shown how to use them and suddenly you're using them. It's quite an interesting thing in your life. So for me, I learned, I was doing ghost busting when I was 16. I was doing hypnosis when I was 14. So I learned many things when I was young. Uh, but I was being visited by a spirit. I was being visited by a deity. I was working with multiple things from 11 when I saw my first alien 
So it was part of my life. That's what you want, pineapple? So uh, it was a trip. Um, my life has been a great experience. It took me a lot to learn what I learned and put it all together to make it fit into a puzzle that why I came here in the first place. And what I would say about that, most people think they have a reason to come here, and it's pretty hard to figure out what that reason is. But through my uh, trial and error, I learned the hard way, the good and the bad things in life, and how they all distract you from your true mission. And your true mission is never that hard. And, I mean, most people want to believe they're here to save the planet and save people, which I would say would be the opposite of the true meaning of what it really means, because soul is here to learn who it is and what it is. It's not here to learn what everybody else on the planet is. But, hey, uh, Tommy, uh, Deborah DeFranco's here, but I have this curious interest, and then I'm going to uh, turn you off and turn Janet on because Janet's back on here. But, okay. uh, All right. Uh, cause, uh, but uh, – I just want to know, uh, Deborah, and you're both Italian, but I just needed to know if there was a similarity there because you're from the New Jersey mafiosa Italians, and she's from Canada. No, she's from New York. No, but uh, from New York. Deborah, they were from, from the Bronx. Oh, you're from New York. Okay, wait. Okay, but uh, Deborah, just real quick, because uh, Janet just came back on, but I, I told her I'd turn Tommy off to turn her back on. Uh, I don't need both Hawaii people right. on. So, uh, but uh, do y'all do you know uh, her? Oh, Tommy got off. Okay, all right. I wanted to know. Tommy dropped off. All right. Well, Janet's back on. Uh, I, I was going to give you a chance, Deborah, but Tommy, I'm sorry. Uh, I didn't mean to run you off. I apologize. I didn't mean it to sound that way. Uh, <laughs> sorry, Tommy. Right? But okay, it's Janet's right back on. <laughs> It's okay. I'm sorry. It's okay. it's okay. It really is. It's okay. Okay. I was going to get them to talk Italian stuff. Because it was like uh, connecting the dots. Deborah was telling me I was connecting dots. But I just wanted to see, you know, like Tommy showed up tonight and Deborah was here. But it was just when uh, Janet had dropped off. But Janet, you're back on and I'm muting. So I'm muting okay. and Janet's back and Tommy's gone. <laughs> okay. Janet, are you there? Yes. I am. I I had to take a break, sorry. Stage control. Okay. But uh <laughs> but that's good. Okay. I don't know where we were. I'm sorry, you know. No. I, I no, drink no. tea all day. So there it goes. <laughs> that's okay. Deborah, are you still here? I'm here. Fabulous. Okay. So let's see. Um you're you're better at keeping track of whose turn it is. Is it Janet's turn? Yes. Uh well, I, I thought, Deborah, did you want to say something? Because I, I was actually uh, going to just uh, tell everybody I've got to go eat dinner. She's cutting into my dinner time. But anyway, uh, I, I can do one final thing. But I want to say, Deborah, you wanted to say something. Cause you, when I came back, you both had texted me. So thank you for the text. <laughs> I should have said, I'll be right back. But go ahead, Deborah. Say what you wanted to say. Uh-huh. No, I didn't have anything I wanted to say. Uh, okay. okay. Sure. I'm positive. Okay. <laughs> um, so I just think so, it's so funny, Deborah. You know, I haven't I haven't met you, but I know if you hung out at Cafe Tutu Tango on weekends for years, that um, 
you know, we met. Even if we don't know that we met, we met at one point in time. So I think that's so interesting. And then Janet shares her story, and her husband's family moves to Torrance, California. And the years that she gives were um, my my grandmother um, is the one who was really very stable and very secure in her life. And, um, you know, I mean, that was during the time when she worked there and she owned a home and she owned a home into the 90s in that in that area. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's sort of it's sort of funny to, you know, meet these people and, and we think that it's like um, accidental or there isn't any meaning to it. But obviously, we are crossing paths for some greater cause. And um, I just find that over and over again, people uh, encounter one another. And, you know, so that's sort of like what happens when we start sharing our stories, that we start figuring out how we do know each other from a different time in our life. This is what I really love. Yes, the synchronicity and how well connected. Zero degrees of separation. Some people say it's six, but in my life I find that it's one degree of separation. Right. And and we're connected in many different ways, many different directions. Yes. Like yes. It's more than one connection. Right. But I once read a book and it said how many times we're connected to each other, but I forget the stats on it. A book called River World. <laughs> it's can a you, fascinating can you, book. Can you speak Am up I just a little a little bit? Sorry. Can you speak up a little bit? Okay. okay. Uh let me try readjusting my mic. I think I have my hair blocking my mic because I didn't Put it on, Rach. Okay. So oh, that's better. Usually you ask me, were, were you still sharing stories? So uh, I'm sitting here, and my husband, who's trying not to make noise, comes in through the sliding glass window. So I see this man emerging from my door, and I go, he's full of groceries. So I think, like, oh, I'll help you. I had to open. And then, of course. But I'm back, and uh, it's interesting because the I, I really don't like to be on with Tommy, so it was interesting. He dropped off before I came back. It was, I don't know what was that that was about, so, so but it's okay. It's all good. So where were we? So you had, well, you had uh, the guest of the, uh, the police officer who's saying that we're not all, like, police are being depicted in a very negative way now, and I've met, well, I've known a lot of nice police officers, and Oh, they've always been to me. Oh, he's really—he's really just an unusually um, well-suited human being for the work that he chose, and he did a extraordinary job, and he made the world a better place. But I—I I maintain that the reason Kevin was um, so good at his work is is that he placed family, community, and his relationship to the universe, God, first, and his work was to support that process. He didn't place his work first, and I think a lot of people. Um, you know, I mean, it really, your work supports you in what you want to do in your life. And so I think that when you place, you know, when you place the power of the universe and you place the connection to spirituality at the center of it and you just trust that the rest is given to you, it always unfolds so beautifully. So it's a good right. story. Yeah, right? And that's that's our emphasis. And it is about responsibility and accountability. And, you know, and you and I had a long conversation today. And we, oh, we um, talked about how, how many similar pieces we have in our thinking, and then that creates um, the affinity, the reality, and the communication between two individuals, and then that's where we begin our conversation, and then we find out that we're connected in other ways. And it's interesting to find common ground, and I think that's why stories are so important, 
and yeah. allowing the stories to unfold. And there's a balance because you've got to give and take, share, uh, be willing to take feedback and uh, give feedback. You know. Yes. So I like the, I like what we're doing today. I, okay. I'm a little bit uh, unsure where to go because usually we have a topic. Somebody's making a lot of noise if they can mute. That would be great. Uh, we usually have a topic so that I can wrap my mind around. So now my mind is going like I'm trying to track everybody what they're saying, and it's like it just comes. It's interesting. It's just like whatever's on somebody's mind, the top of their mind. Here's this story. Here's this story. So when it comes to my turn, it's like, well, what story do I have? Oh my God. <laughs> uh, <laughs> life is long. Did you drop? Hmm. No, I'm still here. I'm still okay. here. I'm not sure what's going on. There's okay. a lot of noise. Is that better? Yeah, yeah. It was like uh, somebody was running a marathon or something with their phone in their hand. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Okay. <laughs> so, um, so I, I like you to give me a topic. So what do we want to talk about now? Okay, um, so tell me what it's like to live on the island. What's it like to live in paradise? Well, Maui is a very interesting culture. It's uh, about 40% white, uh, about uh, 35%. Uh, there's there's Poly- Hawaiian native Polynesian mix. There's uh, Japanese. Um, Chinese, Asian mix. So you know, there's, there's the Islanders, and then there's the Asian cultures, the the white culture, and then uh, there's about one half of one percent what we would call African American black. So I get really confused about all the identities because this is such a mixed uh, culture here, and. So it's like, uh, I guess the people on the mainland are going, what what race are they? And I'm just going, wow, this is just the world, right? It's like everybody, different colors. And the and mixed couples are just more common. Even when I was on Oahu, which is predominantly Asian, uh, Polynesian, Islander, Pacific Islander mix, uh, it was very unusual to see a couple of the same race. And we're just okay. so used to making it. I came here in 1993, and wow. I escaped uh, the East Coast. Oh. And, I, and I loved, I, I loved my home, uh, but it was it was killing me. So I, I realized it was either leave or die. So I left all the cold weather. Uh, there's somebody making noise again. Okay. Uh, so when I arrived here, this is a hippie culture. Okay. And things tend to be about twenty years behind the mainland. So <laughs> when I arrived here, there was no, there were no Walmart, no Costco's. Uh, they did have a a different store. It wasn't Lowe's or Home Depot. Got bought out. So since I'd been here, all those things were built. Kmart was there. Uh, okay. There were mom and pop stores, real mom and pop stores. Ho'oko's and Ooko and all these. Uh, so I've, I've just seen this huge, and I've been here 23 years, so it's just changed massively. 
when my wife, my husband started coming here in the 60s, there were only about 30,000 people full-time. There's about 130,000 people full-time. Wow. And then being in an island, you have um, people that are peripatetic or, you know, about a third of the population is probably tourists. So we don't have any tourists right now, or not much. Uh, the planes aren't coming in, and uh, even inter-island travel has been limited because of COVID. And we're really uh, afraid of getting it because we don't have very, we have one hospital, and I think it's like 200 beds. So if it goes through our 130,000-plus population, it, it will pretty much, uh, you know, you'd be, You'd be having to stay at home or with your health care in the parking lot, <laughs> if you could get into the parking lot. It's just uh, it's not something anybody can wrap their head around what these big cities have. You know, you I go to California frequently. I have in-laws that live in uh, Rachel Palace Birdies, and so okay. I'm very familiar with that part of the world. And, uh, you know, you have a lot of places to go. <laughs> But, you know, you pretty much, uh, you can get around the island in one day, and that's my world. It's very small. And okay. So, and it's, it's, um, so it's a hippie culture. So when I came here, Maui was the conscious capital of the world. I'm not sure what all this noise is about. Let me see if it's my fan. Hold on. Maybe my fan is... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. When? <laughs> so when I, I came know. here, what we used to do is go to Little Beach. And Little Beach is on the other side of the island, and it's a place where people come from all over the world and get naked. And they they have a drumming circle, and they dance to the drums as the sun goes down. And literally, the the whales and the dolphins come so they play didgeridoos, and they jump in the water, and people applaud when they jump. And they're attracted to the, everybody on the beach who are singing and playing drums. And um, so, But I haven't gone there in a, in a while um, because it's, it's quite a journey to get there. You have to climb up over this rocky cliff, and sometimes the, the waves are washing in. You have to time it to get up <laughs> Uh, so the wave doesn't wash out the sea. It's just kind of a, quite, quite the adventure. But everybody in the world comes there. When you, when you walk down the beach, you can hear all these languages. Because people like to come to a tropical island and get naked. So that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> that is great. Um, so um, I think it's interesting because um, in Western culture, when we um, encounter somebody who has difficulties, we sit down and we want to talk to them and we want to listen to their story and we want to give them comfort and clarity about their story. But if you go into Africa, the way that people work through their pain is through the celebrating of life and they dance and they, they play music and they, they, they see that as the way to heal their inner pain. And, and so it's a cultural, it's a cultural difference. And it is, I mean, people went there uh, to Africa to listen to the stories of what had happened to the people. 
and they were very surprised that the people didn't want to talk because they said, well, this is how we work things out. Go ahead and tell me your story. And the people would say, no, that's not how we work it out. We take and we <laughs> dance and we listen to music. And so there is something powerful about a drum circle. It puts you into an altered state. It's a, medit- a moving meditation. And as the mm-hmm. result of that moving meditation, you go into an altered state. And there are, you know, I mean, there's, you know, religious processes centered in that of the ecstatic dance. And, right. And so the movement creates the altered state, which creates the freedom, which creates the integration, which creates the connectedness. And so um, it is a different way to celebrate life and to move through pain. But each culture approaches these issues differently. And so when we tell these stories, that's how we find out how we're connected and how we're connected to our life view or how we believe life should be. So I happen to really think that Africa is just just this incredibly beautiful culture. Uh, And uh, I went into Africa and I went into Rwanda. And when I was in Rwanda, we went into the Congo. And it is just such a peaceful uh, quiet uh, people that are very humble, very hospitable, and very much about the generosity of sharing through music and dance. And what a beautiful, beautiful ancient civilization. And Rwanda speaks, um, one of their languages, Swahili, and Swahili is considered the most perfect language. And we know one of the um, proverbs, and one of their proverbs is to speak softly and carry a big stick. Oh, yes. yes. There's another part to that proverb, and it always eludes me. But uh, you listen to the Romans and the centurions, their saying was um, guilt, um, contempt prior to investigation is the formula for ignorance. And so when you listen to the proverbs of a country and their religious and Uh, their separation from one another and how they create that is through their proverbs, how their thinking is quite unique. But there's so many ancient civilizations alive today, and it is really a great thing to connect through these stories. And so when you tell me the story that you go out onto the island, you go to the sacred point on the beach, and you do this dance, and you honor nature, and the dolphins and the whales join in, what a perfect story. Story. I mean, what a really perfect story <laughs> of connecting, right? That's about connecting, uh-huh. right? So, so we, yes, and it, so, so we, we would do intensive therapy all week with Tantra school, and people think, oh, Tantra, let's have sex, but you can't get to the sex where you work out all this stuff because it's a it's a long process, and so we would take people deep into their processes, and then we would start talking about their sexual issues and. And then people would have a party about that. And then the final party was um, Saturday was a party at our, our house. But Sunday, you wrap it up with Little Beach and get clothes off. So you don't have to go there and get naked. But um, so that was a, that was a good psycho-spiritual uh, like process for people to go through. We did that for 10, 15 years. Um, wow. We may pick that up again. I don't know. We're getting old, though. <laughs> but uh, we might pick it up again. But another thing is, you can go to these all the towns. What I 
when I hit landed here, I go, what is this, the Wild West? It all looked like Western towns. Paia, they've got those little storefronts, and they're one, they're two big, two stories high, and flat roof, and and, uh, and then what? And they're, you know, the two-lane streets. You try to go through town, and your traffic is backed up for miles. But if you go to um, Paia, and there's a health food store, and in every little town they have a health food store, so this mm-hmm. is a health food, you know, hippie community, and um, you could see Steven Tyler walking down the street, and somebody will be playing a, a guitar on the street, and he'll come over and start playing with them. <laughs> so that's the kind of, you know, we have these celebrities that just walk around, and, uh, you know, they want to come to Maui and hang out on the beach and go to the restaurants, but they're they're all relaxed. There's not the paparazzi type thing, too. I think some of you are telling a paparazzi story earlier, and, and it's just like, you know, you kind of like walk oh, oh, he looks familiar, oh, that's, oh, Steve Tyler, you know, whoever it is, right, and you go, well, hi, how you doing? So it's not a lot of uh, celebrity celebration, but we used to have George Harrison here before he died, and and um, we have Woody, Willie Nelson, like, he goes to, to the, um, the theater, they have one where they play the alternative kind of cultural movies once a week on Wednesday, and you're just there to another Wednesday, and here comes Willie Nelson. Hey, I just want to say hi to everybody. I, I really like this movie tonight, and I hope you enjoy it. And you go, okay, Willie Nelson is here. Goodbye. <laughs> so uh, that's what's nice about culture. And then uh, one last thing is that if you want to um, go to these alternative churches, there's like the Temple of Peace, uh, and they have all these alternatives. It's, it's, a, it's a wonderful alternative community. Nobody would understand that unless they come here. And then you go, oh, okay, I get it. It's, so when I hear all the troubles of the world, right, you guys in the mainland, it's like, it's like we worked it out, right? All these problems with diversity, we've worked it out. My oh. neighbors are Hawaiian. They've been here since 1848, right? And, wow. and we're up here in the mountains. And when you need to, you know, help somebody because the, the car's stuck in the ditch and or the, the rain has washed out the water, we have our, our water comes from the mountain. You know, you're just out there going through the dam and, you know, doing it together. So it's that type of, it's like a different world. I guess it's like going to Africa, right? Different mentality. Yeah, it, it is definitely going to different parts of the world and, um, a different way of thinking and a different way of looking at what the problems are and what happens with our our story. But um, definitely on an island, belonging to the community becomes a really important ingredient to the process because there are, there is no way for you to live as an outsider and live on an island unless you live just like a hermit. So you do have to integrate into your community. It's an interesting point. You're reliant mm-hmm. on these people for the smallest things car troubles, water. I mean, that's pretty basic. Right, right. Yeah, we rely on our neighbors, and they rely on us. We keep the water flowing. Otherwise, it goes over the cliff and into the forest. And it, yeah, the forest loves it, you know. Oh, and then I have jungle. I have, I'm the last house before, you know, 12 miles of rainforest. There's nothing. Nobody's living up there. There's a couple of pigs, and there's swamps, and... <laughs> Nothing. And trees the size of it, uh, Avatar, right? Just giant Avatar trees. Like, yeah. Yeah. 
that's a different a different sort of commitment. But interesting, interesting life. Definitely not for everyone. Um, but you're right. There's a lot of insanity inside of a city, and uh, the thinking that goes along with that does get just a little bit odd. It gets very odd. So uh, living out there, the way you're living with nature, it works or it doesn't work, and it's really simple. Well, uh, the items will spit you out. But the, so since I came to Maui 23 years ago, I can't drive on the mainland. I can't drive in that traffic. So mm-hmm. you have the Uber story. So I, I use Uber. I, I don't <laughs> drive. I don't rent a car. I go, okay, we'll catch it. Well, actually, I use Lyft more than Uber. Sorry. But <laughs> no problem. Uh, I don't think we need cars. I, I, I'm, like, I'm welcome. I want to see the electronic cars. And and I have two cars in my parking lot, and now with COVID, you know, we're not using one. I'm just making all these car payments on a car. It was kind of stupid. So uh, I'm, I'm up for the change. I, I'm very curious where this is going to land with all right. this uh, new paradigm shifting. Paradigm shifting. Me too. I'm I'm yeah. I'm up for it. Deborah, are you still here with us? I'm still here. All right, all right, Deborah. So Niagara Falls. I got to tell you. I mean, uh, most people don't understand that electricity was established in the city of Niagara, the first yep. place in the world. That was that was it. Uh, harnessing yep. the power of the falls and. Uh, you know, it's just, it was the honeymoon capital of America um, 120 years ago. We have one chapel left. One chapel left, okay. That's one chapel, that's it. Okay. And, uh, you know, Niagara Falls, it's just, uh, it's a source of our pride. But I wonder how you do with the snow that comes in the winter. We don't want to talk about that. <laughs> I leave if I can. I leave and go to California. Really? Yeah, I leave and go to either California or Texas. Wow. Okay. I can't um, do this. I, I, I was, like, traumatized as a kid. And the winters were much worse when I was a kid. You know, okay. I remember winters when we would get 9- and 12-foot snowdrifts, like, be as tall as a house, right? Right. And you, yeah. you, it would snow so badly, you'd have to go outside to make sure you could open the door, right? Throughout the snowstorm, right. it would get that bad. But mm. one of the things that I love about Niagara Falls mm. is it's a very historical place. This is all Native American land. Yeah. So all of it is. You know, it was land they either gave to us or sold to us, but this is all Native land. It's all Six Nation land up here. And the falls was something that's very sacred to them. Yes. And and I think it being commercialized is a huge problem. When you go to the falls, it's something very beautiful and very powerful, and there's all this happy commercialization connected to it, which I think is kind of sad. And I, I, I think you kind of miss the relevance of where you are and the power of that place by all the extra stuff that's there that has nothing to do really with the falls. Right. What kind so, of commercialization do they have there? Like what? 
They have veneer shops and bad restaurants uh, and um, tacky pop-up shops and, you know, all catering to the tourist community. Right. Like, you would think that we're such a big tourist draw that there would be great restaurants here. There's no good restaurants here. None. None. So Niagara Falls feeds the um, Great Lakes, and they say that the Great Lakes is a miscalculation, is a misqualification because the Great Lakes should actually be a sea because, you know, it has its own water supply and it has Mm -hmm. its own currents. And it means that North America has one-fifth of the world's freshwater supply. And so it's a... It's an extraordinarily powerful point in, you know, North America, and I don't think that people really understand it. And then it's the Mississippi that comes out of that, right? Yeah. Yeah. The, um, yeah. All the rivers okay. here flow into other major rivers, right? Okay. So right. you've got, what, five, the, finger, the five Great Lakes, right? I think there's five. Is that how many yes, there five. are? Yeah, yeah. Niagara Falls sits between Lake Erie and Lake Ontario. Like we're literally between both lakes. Okay. Huh. And so, it the falls is actually twelve thousand years old. I believe the falls was created after the diluvian flood. Okay. And huh. that's just my, oh, my opinion. Okay. From what I know, yeah, from what I know about this area. But I believe it it was created right after the Diluvian flood. And then the falls has moved, gosh, four miles? It's moved four miles in the last 12,000 years from where it is. Wow. And it continues to move. So it continues to move farther back because of the erosion. And they've tried stopping it. They've even blocked off the falls a few times. But uh, there's a way to stop it. They just need to let nature take its course. Yeah, well, that that's yeah, that is it. Yeah, there is several several things, and they have they took and they stopped it, and then they took and they put in. I don't remember what they put in, but I remember looking at the pictures of that and thinking, who would think to stop the the falls? But they did do that, <laughs> and so I I don't know. Sometimes the, some of these ideas that people come up with, you kind of, you know, why not be accepting of what nature is and then work around it? So I I don't understand that. I really don't. But what a magical place to live. And then um, you are in upstate New York, so are you close to Lilydale, the uh, New Age community? Yes, I am. They're close to uh, Buffalo, which is about 15 minutes from me. Okay. And then, uh, and have you actually, I mean, I've never gone to Lilydale, um, but have you gone to Lilydale and, uh, no. you know? Nope. No, I was I was actually going to take some classes this past year with okay. a group that was over there, and I just had so much on my plate. I just felt like I could, they were you know psychic ability classes, and okay. I just had too much on my plate and felt like I couldn't give it my all, and so I backed out and didn't do it. Lily Lilydale is an interesting community because um, a lot of the psychic work is um, focused on medium development and speaking to the other side, whereas if you go into um, Edgar Cayce's ARE Institute in Virginia Beach, um, his stuff is focused on health and um, how he connected to 
the information that he connected to and how his readings help you solve different types of problems. But his stuff is primarily focused on health and making predictions. So each, um, and that's one of the things that's kind of evolving at this point in time. Each New Age community has its strengths and its area of expertise. And, you know, there's just a lot of knowledge within each of the groups, and it's really enjoyable to discuss that. Do we have Kevin still with us? Do we have Kevin here with us? Or is Kevin? You are! Kevin, share with us a story. Just share with us for a minute. We're ready to wrap it up. We're at the end of the story, so you wrap up this session with us. Ladies, let's let's, uh, give Kevin our love and support, and let's see what he has to share with us. Well, I'll tell you what. I have a strange story that uh, maybe you guys can figure this out on another show. Um, basically, I'll make a long story short. I live in a nice little area here in San Diego where they have large homes, and uh, some of our neighbors have pools, and one guy has a tennis court. And he put out a newsletter uh, a while back, about a year ago, and he said, anybody who wants to use my court who lives in my neighborhood, you're welcome to it. I'm retiring. I'm too old to play, but I hate to see it go to waste. Okay, So I got real excited about playing on this court with my friend. <laughs> In a long story short, um, he said, if you want to make an appointment, though, you've got to do it through Facebook only. And I'm not, I wasn't a Facebooker at the time, so that, that was a problem for me. So then I went to his house, and I knocked on his door, and I said, hey, I'm not a Facebooker. Can I just talk to the man and, and, and get, the, get the details on the court? And I was never able to find the man. He happened to be a lawyer. So about a month later, I was doing some eBaying. I'm an eBayer, and this is so strange. I ordered some products uh, from, a, from, a, from a seller somewhere in the United States. And this is the strange part. My package didn't come to my house. And I don't know how it happened, but it ended up at his law offices up on Main Street, about a mile from where I live. True story. So I, I was able right. to track the package. I was able to track it. I tracked it to his office. And I said, i got to go get that package. And I need those, those products. I have people that want these items for eBay. So I run over there, and I started to put two and two together. This guy's a lawyer. He's got an office in Santa Ana. You know, he kind of fits the the description of the guy that I was looking for, and he said, yeah, here's your package, but yeah, yeah, I got the court. I got the tennis court. So anyway, he gave me the code to the gate, you know, and uh, by chance, that I actually met this guy after looking for him for about uh, a month, you know, going to his house, his wife telling me he's out of work. It was a weird phenomenon that a package I wanted that was supposed to go to my house on a different street ended up in his law offices in the same city, and he happened to be the guy with the with the key and the, and the court. And by the way, finally today, after all this time, I played on the tennis court with my friend uh, as an invited guest, and it was a dream come true to be able to play on a, on a private tennis court. And what a strange oh. way to get there. Am I right? Isn't that a strange way oh, to end up in someone's backyard? Oh, I love it. That's a great man. We call that a manifestation story, Kevin, of where you had an intention of something that you wanted, and um, you are a great tennis player. And to have time on the tennis court is um, – it's great. So, what a great manifestation. We're really proud of that. I was wondering what you would call that. I was wondering what you would call that because it's very, very, very strange. It was one of those things where you could tell it was sort of fate. Fate kind of brought us together. And then and, and the, the nice man who's 80 years old now came out today uh, while I was playing with my, my buddy who's also retired now. And he greeted us and he welcomed us and said, You guys enjoy yourselves. And, uh, help yourselves in and help yourselves out. And, uh, and uh, thank you for, uh, uh, you know, uh, putting this court to use again because it's been uh, it's been uh, sort of uh, dark for all these months, you know. Oh, I love it. Hey, Deborah, you got a you got a comment for Kevin here? Oh, I was just about to say the same thing. I, I just have one question though. 
before that happened, did you picture in your mind yourself playing on that tennis court? Yes, I did. Thank you for asking. <laughs> I, I, I imagined myself. Listen, here's what I had imagined. I had imagined finding him at his house, but he was a workaholic, guy, and he's since retired. This is going back probably a year I've been looking for this guy. And uh, six months ago I found him, and then finally this is when I used the court today. But the point is, uh, yeah, I, 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 I mean, I just said i, I got to get back there and play on this court. He's not using it, and, uh, you know, he would, he would appreciate it if somebody like myself and my buddy who, who are avid tennis players would get out there and, and hit the ball and, and kind of, uh, I would say, uh, re, 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 revive the court, if you will. So you realize that whole process you went through is what caused the manifestation, right? The visualization, wanting it so oh, no. bad. We love it. We well, love I appreciate it. that because I'm not too I'm not too familiar with that sort of stuff, and so I was wondering if you could try to describe it to me. And you just did yeah. by calling it a manifestation. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. you you envisioned it. You said you wanted to talk to him. And then you wanted to be able to use the court. So without actually having any training in what we call the new thought movement or the new age movement, you did exactly what we would tell somebody to do to manifest it. And then um, the universe, we call it the universe, intervenes and says, okay, uh, you got to meet this guy, and you're not going to ever meet him by going to the house, so we're going to send your package to his office, and then you'll meet him, and that's the universe supporting your dream. And so that's what we recommend people do when they want to manifest it, feel it, see themselves playing tennis there, see themselves meeting the person. You followed all the steps that we tell people to take, and you did it with a beginner's mind because you wanted to play tennis. And it's a Guess great what? story. Uh, it was, well, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful uh, explanation uh, and a beautiful uh, way of describing it to me. And also, let me just tell you what, um, it was a beautiful thing to be there today and for him to be so gracious and to be so open, open, oh. hospitable, so hospitable. And now we have, we have, we have a, uh, an, open, an open door uh, invitation to play three days a week, which we're going to do as much as we can because uh, this, man, this man is just a fan of tennis and he just, he just loves to support tennis players. I'm so excited. Oh, and so that's the final ingredient is that you express gratitude, and when you express gratitude, the universe can't help but want to give it to you again. And so that's our theory of life. That is our our theory of um, manifestation. Wouldn't you agree, Janet and Deborah? Is oh, that a perfect? Um, um, Absolutely. That was awesome. Awesome. Great <laughs> summation of the phenomenon, and everybody can do it. Everybody can do it. But it won't happen well, to do negative stuff. You have to do good things. Thank good you. I didn't, know, I didn't know anything about that. And I tell you what, it doesn't happen every day, that's for sure. Am I right about that? <laughs> that's right. You gotta but you realize you can make it happen every day, right? Yeah. I'm wow. going to start trying, okay? I'm going to start <laughs> trying after listening to you guys for an hour, I promise you. <laughs> Kevin, Sounds you, great. That, that is a great story for us to wrap it up with because – Oh, my gosh, tennis is such a um, sort of privileged um, sport. And you said that you used to play for an hour when you were working in the courthouse. You managed to get in an hour of tennis three times a week, and that is so cool. Well, it's a very healthy hobby, and I just, I'm just i so glad to be able to still play with my health and everything. And uh, <laughs> it's such a good, relaxing uh, thing to do, and uh, it's, just, it's just a good social thing. So, so I'm, I'm, it's like, uh, fortunately, I'm still able to play, and I want to continue to play. But I love it that it makes, I make friends, and, and, and it's, a, it's a very social thing for, for, for somebody to do. It keeps you, keeps yeah. you out of the house and gets off the couch. 
Kevin, thank you for sharing tonight and everybody else that's been my friends. I've got Deborah's becoming a new friend. It seems like she and I have crossed paths in a past life or in this life or in this reality. But either way, we've crossed at least miles. So everybody that would like to join me, I have the ACO Club archives, and I'm building them for ACO Life tonight. So thank you, everybody, for recording tonight and sharing your part on July 11th, 2020. And we'll put this out there on Spreacher and Sticker and Breaker, Stitcher, iTunes, iHeart, Spotify, Lisbon, all kind of places, folks. So you'll be able to hear your voice and know that the world is sharing and you guys are sharing your little stories and uh, maybe other people will show up and we can build our community. So Janet, Karen, I don't know. Deborah, do you have a Patreon account to be a creator on Patreon? I, I I have a Patreon account to be a creator. I just haven't. I haven't activated it so people can access it. Okay, well, everybody, uh, Patreon is a way for people to give you, if you like your their work, whether they're an artist, author, speaker, writer, whatever, but they're a creator in the Internet, uh, joined with Patreon. And if you like what we're doing tonight and you want to help me pay the bills, it's uh, patreon.com <laughs> forward slash Teresa J. Morris. And Janet Lesson may have Aquarian Radio. Uh, but everybody tell your Patreon name, please. Uh, Suzanne, what's your Patreon name? Do I know Susan it? I Glenn? don't know it. I don't think so. I think, <laughs> okay. it's, I, I think, I think it's the deep um, site. I think it's the deep reading connecting you to your soul. And uh, it's a Patreon account. And it's, uh, I use it for my podcast. Yes. Use it for your podcast. Janet, yes. what's your Patreon Aquarian Radio, I isn't it? I think it's Aquarian Radio, but I haven't really worked with it much because I was confused. But um, okay. I'll probably go back and play with it. But I didn't know how okay. successful it would be for most people because uh, there's so many of these things that pop up all the time. But it seems it's been around for a little while now. might be worth me checking out again. Okay. Okay. So and I, I mean, I set, I set things up and... Oh, it looks like they got money, but it never went into my bank account. So I don't know how it works. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and Tommy's helping me with mine for Teresa J. Morris. He's a supporter of me for uh, helping me on Sundays. Spiritual, we're creating this whole community tonight and tomorrow. But Janet and Tommy have been with me eight years, and now they go on alternating nights or days. And uh, so uh, that's just. Uh, Janet uh, has her own Aquarian radio. And Deborah, do you have your own uh, archives or podcasting location? Not yet. Not yet. When we do, it'll be called the Stitch Witch Hour. The, uh, oh, it's still going to be Stitch Witch. That's a good name. Stitch yep. Witch Hour. She's yeah. in designing and. And I did uh, my own brand, too. I want to talk to you later off. Uh, you'll have to call me, Deborah, sometime, because I can never see how to contact you. But, uh, Janet, now, it's on my TeresaJMorris.com, folks, and my numbers. If you can get through to me or get me on Skype. And Deborah DeFranco, folks, joined us tonight. Deborah, how do they get in touch with you on Skype? How do they get in touch with me on Skype? I'm there under Deborah DeFranco, or you can read under, at Deborah DeFranco at Hotmail.com. Or you can reach me under the Stitch Witch Hour. You can do a search on Stitch Witch Hour. Either one will come up. Okay. Wonderful. There you go, folks. And uh, let's see. Uh, Janet is Aquarian Radio. Janet, anything else you want to leave before we get off of here? Oh, I feel complete this evening, and I'm actually going to 
uh, take a break from my husband's home and we're going to eat dinner. So thank you so much for having okay, me well, on. Thank and good you. All right, thank everybody, you. and it was a great show. Much love. Thank you, thank you Janet. Aloha. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. Good night. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Good night. Thank okay, you, and uh, Tommy, I'm going to let Tommy. Uh, Tommy, what? Do, how, how do people get in contact with you? Are you have Books <laughs> Weather Eleven. Yeah, I'm here. Books Weather Eleven okay. on Skype. But uh, I just want to tell everybody, you know that this week is uh, Convergence Week uh, for the, for everybody trying to get in touch with UFOs. It started. Uh, it's for up until the fourth worldwide convergence. They're going to try to call down alien ships to, to light up the world. Uh, it's this whole week, so if you're interested, tune into it. Uh, it started a couple of days ago. I think it started on the 4th to the 14th. Uh, if you're interested, it's all over the world, supposedly. Everybody's going to be 14th to try to bring good aliens down to this planet to light it up. We'll see what happens with that, but uh, thank you for being on. I'll see everybody tomorrow. I'll see you, TJ, tomorrow as well. Okay, uh, are we going to do uh, 7 or 8 p.m. Eastern, or, or, or what time? Because you're in Hawaii, and we'll back it out five hours. It's 10 o'clock right now. What time matter. is it there, 5 p.m.? All right. Uh, 5 p.m. Uh, wait, Deborah, Deborah, did you get to speak Italian, or do you want to talk to – do you know Tommy from Revolution or not? No, I don't. And the only thing I know in Italian oh. is customer. <laughs> All right. Well, Tommy, uh, Deborah is. I used to. Be, how long were you with Revolution, uh, Deborah? A uh, little less than a year. Oh, okay. Relatively new. Was it like twenty yeah. uh, seventeen or eighteen or nineteen yeah, or twenty? Like it was like ten months. I started in twenty nineteen. The last quarter of twenty nineteen. Okay, Tommy. When were you with Revolution? Oh, I guess I left them uh, two years ago, but I was on with it for about a year and a half. About a year and a half. So it's amazing. Tommy and I have been together eight years. Uh, he came on. Janet introduced me to Tommy, and they were planning the uh, UFO event that finally happened in Albuquerque, Cosmos, uh, Stargate to the Cosmos. But uh, they don't. They're on different islands and and different friends or something. But. Uh, but uh, Deborah and, and and Suzanne and anybody else listening, uh, I guess your husband dropped off a while back. But uh, if I would like to do a spiritual community, I'm trying to build that on Sundays, and it's Ascension Center Ohana. But it's going to be open to uh, practitioners and people that want to sort of create a radio community and. Uh, <laughs> You girls are welcome to come and be, do your part or represent your group or your groups or your people or, you know. But I'm going to, you know, but I'm sure you girls, y'all got a spiritual bone in you, don't you? <laughs> a spiritual Spiritual bone. but not religious. Exactly, yeah. What about you, Suzanne? Can, can you hear me? Suzanne, did you go fall off? Yeah, I don't think she's on anymore. 714 is on here. I can't hear her. I was hearing, uh, where, where's the, are you near a backdrop or a truck backing up? Who's near a truck? Is that you, Tommy, or? Yeah, 
Oh, I'm in the truck. I'm in. I mean, I'm in my car. But it doesn't make a burp, burp, burp. My cap does it. No, it doesn't. Weird. Well, uh, you want to say hi to? I mean, we're still recording, but it'll it'll be on the back end. But uh, Tommy knows how to run a board on Blog Talk too, folks. If y'all ever want to do a radio show, let him know. But uh, she's producing now for Janet. Uh, Tommy Tommy knows a mad painter too, Deborah. But uh, uh, Deborah. Yeah, so, uh, but Tommy, just so you know, a man's not, not uh, producing. This is now Janet's producer on Revolution for a while. They're going to see how that works. So Deborah's now producing. Well, really? Yeah. Deborah, and uh, you, do you have any connection? Can y'all see what connects the dots for you, Deborah? Tommy, tell, her, tell Tommy, Tommy, tell Deborah where you lived. I live in I live on a big island now in Pahoa. I'm right near the the, the beach, which uh, Janet was talking about. Uh, they closed everything down uh, a while ago. They were trying to open things up, but they're going to be closing everything down again here. It's kind of bizarre what's going on. Hawaii is trying to keep their island safe, which is a good thing. But uh, I'm right in town in Pahoa. Uh, I'm about two blocks from the ocean. So you know what my brain was thinking, Deborah? Deborah, I meant for him to yes. tell you in, in New York. Uh, did you? I don't know if you picked that up psychically, but Tommy, I meant uh, I was. Uh, this is uh, <laughs> my brain, folks. I'm trying to be spiritual, but I, I, <laughs> I'm trying to say, Tommy, do you? And I'm trying to get Deborah to help me connect the dots because y'all are both from that area and you're both got Italian Tommy I know your family was somewhat mafia I don't know how to say it right but uh, you weren't on were you when Deborah introduced herself or talked about her DeFranco family or something no I I was in I I grew up in North Bergen Gothenburg, Union City, West New York Hoboken, Fort Lee Bergen County so I mean I, I lived most every place I lived on the shore for two years as well so I lived all over Jersey uh, I used to hang out in New York City a lot because I hung out in the clubs over New York City, uh, CBGBs anyway. But uh, his name I, is Sinisi. Italian Sinisi's. Yeah. Right. S I N I S I. They're all related to me. What? Any Sinisi you hear is related. Did you ever hear the Sinisi's, Deborah? No, I don't, I'm not familiar with them. Oh, okay. Well, anyway, who knows, you know, but uh, all right. <laughs> well, and thank you, Suzanne. Uh, you did a wonderful job. And, Deborah, thank you so much for showing up and participating. And I, I'm looking forward to getting to know you more and how we connect the dots on different radio shows. And you're welcome to do one over here, too, uh, when you're not with uh, Aquarian or whatever, but I know we're all going to try to show up for uh, Janet on Friday, and we'll syndicate on both shows, and they get recorded here on TJ Mars ET Radio and also on Aquarian Radio Friday, so I know you can find Deborah there. And uh, folks, we're going to show up here on TJ Mars ET Radio tomorrow for Ascension Center Ohana Spiritual Talk with whoever wants to 
share anything spiritual, metaphysical, in our spiritual science community. So uh, I, I don't know what it's going to look like yet, but we're building it. So, you know, <laughs> you know we're going to supply and pay for two hours a day, and, and, you know, we're just going to do the best we can to show up and support each other. Well, thank you, Deborah. You did an awesome job, and I know you're going to do great with Janet on Aquarian Radio and hopefully with me on Fridays and whenever else you can show up. So you're always invited, Deborah. I like your energy and helping me connect the dots. So I'm a supporter Thank of yours. You. Thank you. And I love your name, Stitch Witch. That is so cool. <laughs> well, you know, so when I used to work in the factories in Southern yeah. California, they the the Hispanic operators used to call me Witchy Wetta, and that means white witch. <laughs> And oh, my God. Did they really believe yeah. you that? that you yeah, were... they really believed it because they said everything about the factory, the whole environment would change when I would walk in. And when I wow. walked that it was very different. So every factory that I worked in where they were Hispanic, I ended up getting that name. So I don't know what it was about my presence. But, yeah. So when I had to come up with a handle, I'm like, Stitch Witch, right? So that's where it came from. And you sewed literally. Now I had a, I had a. In five years, I had an office in L.A., and then I'd go over to the factories that made my handbags, small leather goods, and yeah. uh, then we had clothes. So I had different factories in L.A. in Torrance too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I used to work design factories because I used to run production for like companies like Gap. So I would work with all the sewing contractors. Oh, and I had an office in New York and Dallas, and uh, let's see, one in Hawaii, one in California, one in Dallas. But you know what the showrooms are like in L.A. Mart? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, and I had a floor up there, uh, and then I had one uh, in uh, Atlanta for a three-year contract, I think, in Atlanta, Georgia. They yeah. have a beautiful apparel mart or a... I don't even remember what it was called in Atlanta. I've been out of the business too long. But I know I I advertised in... It's still there? I advertised in Women's Wear Daily, and the lady literally flew out to tell me I couldn't run certain ads in Women's Wear Daily, even though I was doing it. I had a a guy, a real handsome guy like uh, Fabio, wearing a leather uh, wraparound, uh, swinging through the trees with my briefcase. And they got really upset with my ad, and I paid a lot of money for it because, you know, to get them in the jungle and the lighting and, you know, and, uh, but I think she just wanted to come to Hawaii, but really, but she got on to me and flew to Hawaii to tell me they didn't like my ad in Women's Wear Daily. (laughs) I thought that was funny, but uh, anyway. What? What do they care if you're paying money for the ad? That's what I said, but they did. They had standards. And, uh, you know, and they were like, who do you think you are? You didn't go to this institute in in New York and all that. But I had relatives that helped start the educational system in my bloodline and the Richmond thing. And, you know, my, my it's just funny, but... Uh, I've got relatives that helped all that New York stuff get all set up and stuff. I wasn't too worried about it. But uh, I still kept running ads. I just tried to be – I ran women more than men. They just didn't like my taste in ads. But, you know, that's that's your your business. But you still have a line. Are you still running production for somebody else, or do you do private labels? What are you doing? 
I'm in the process of getting ready to launch my own line. And it's called Wow. Yeah, it's called Stitch Witches, and it's a line based on sustainability. And I repurpose raw materials and existing garments and take them into, turn them into new things. So Wow. Where are you going to put yeah. them? In New York, Buffalo, or private? Uh, are you going to do, no. uh, what level? Gonna are you going to do casual wear? No, it's, it, it's casual wear, right? It's casual street wear. And it's gonna, there's going to be online retail sites. I've got an Etsy shop right now. I only have my accessories up, but I'll be doing clothing and accessories. So I'm working on collection by collection. So once I finish one collection, I start another collection. And I want to have enough inventory on it that once I get it up and running, I'm not constantly under the pressure of production. Um, that I can make. Are you going to do production? At, where are you doing your production? In, in where you live? Are you going to do Made in USA? Oh I really? My now, I do oh my, my God! Stuff. Yeah, I you're almost couture. Yeah, I. I well, are you I doing one on one? I I do just yeah I do one of a kind items. So I. Do, oh my um, God! I'd love to get I'd love to get you to do some stuff for me down here in Florida. So since yeah, I since I was in the it. business, can we talk? Because I've been yeah. on Etsy before uh, myself, but I just didn't keep it up. I don't. I just did it for a while. But you know how everything takes your energy, and I had yeah. sick family, my husband and then my daughter. But I would love to do it again now that I'm getting my company started. So it may be no coincidence we met since we have similar backgrounds. But uh, yeah. I'd love to see what you can do. But to be honest with okay. you, I want to concentrate. I would like to concentrate on uh, lar- uh, maybe ladies or small, medium, large, extra large instead of, you know, you know what I'm talking about, the, the sizing. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and yeah, I, and I'm a big lady. So I'd have yeah, to have like we'll a 2X. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, thank you. And uh, if you can, uh, show up tomorrow to get to know you better. But it's the same. Uh, I guess we'll do 8 to 10 my time, Tommy. It was what time is that? Was this time okay, Deborah? That you're late, right? Yeah, Are you on Eastern? This time's fine. All right. Love and light, everybody. Thank you, everybody in the show biz and entertainment biz, and especially thank you to Suzanne for helping. Such a great co-host, and hopefully we'll get to try Deborah out on one of these days. You know, I got Tuesday <laughs> open. No, you got to do Tuesday with Janet. Uh, well. Yeah. Okay. Ma- yeah, but but who knows? We may maybe I'll do a Stitch Witch Wednesday or something. But let's talk okay. about it because I want to get into the clothing. I want you to do something for me and then help me. And if, if I don't know if you're willing to do private label for me, but we could do yours on the back and mine on the front or something for my club, ACO Club or something. But let's talk yeah. about it, okay? Yeah. I've already got my ACO lined up with the federal at the highest level for cotton products you know okay. you have to file so i already yeah. did the federal level but we'll talk offline all right everybody okay. thank you thank you tommy Bye. i'll see you tomorrow right. then eight to okay. ten thank you everybody